Hey, what's up? Welcome to Movie Dumpster Season 2, Episode 34. Trashing Through the Snow has come to a close. This is our last episode for the Christmas season, and we're ending it on a... It's a high note. The movie's very scary, and it's a downer. I guess. This movie's bleak as shit. (laughs) It's bleak as fuck, but it's probably one of the best. I mean, we'll get into it, but we're talking Black Christmas today from 1974, directed by Bob Clark. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor. My bowels are asunder, McGraw. Welcome to the dumpster. Hello? 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 Oh, hell, not again. Billy! Billy? I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. But your mother and I must know is. Where did you put the baby, Billy? You've got the wrong number. Where did you put Agnes, Billy? Billy. Look, I'm telling you, you have the wrong number. What your mother and I must know is. So I've been just eating uh, Christmas cookies all day. <laughs> That's all I've been eating because every time I turned around, someone was bringing a new plate of something that had either salt or sugar in it upstairs to the lounge. Um, I uh, I hope you're in that chair Homer Simpson invented on the uh, Thomas Edison episode because uh, you're going to need it. Just the toilet built in the, into the recliner. I should be in the bathroom just waiting for it to happen, but... Uh, I feel like I'm carrying around a fucking fanny pack full of rocks in uh, front of me right now. Not me. I feel like Mount St. Helens is probably going to go off, but the other way. Um, oh, my belly's, my belly's hanging over my fucking pants as we speak, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm full, but I also, like, I'm like, I mix a lot of things today that should not be mixed. Yeah. Um, no, I believe like, that. After, after I was like... I've had too much sugar. Is that chips and dip? <laughs> I gotta balance it out with some sodium. <laughs> but then there was ham and there was buffalo chicken oh, dip. Oh, I got too much. I like, ate too much pork. There was wraps. There was there was sandwiches. There was ice cream pies. Like it, there's a there's a counter of stuff that still hasn't been opened yet, and we're gonna have Christmas cookie tins until June, okay? Barf, barf, throw them in the garbage, <laughs> give them away. There's a bunch of homeless people that could eat it. Here, here, sir, have diabetes. Here you go. Feed us all the animals. <laughs> Feed it to the reindeer. Merry, Merry Christmas, diabetes. Please don't, unless you want unless you want to pay for all the dogs that need chocolate poisoning. T- oh, God, <laughs> treatments. no. Uh, just, you gotta get some rubber pockets, man. You put some fucking, you know, that shrimp cocktail in there, whatever Whatever you got cooking over there, ice cream, <laughs> like Arnold's fucking grandpa. Okay, so today, now again, I feel like we're gonna post this episode. And people are like, what the fuck? Black Christmas is a good movie. Why is it on Movie Dumpster? Well, if you haven't listened to the fucking show before, <laughs> we're not here to talk about shitty movies all the time. We're here to talk about. Hey, guess what? We like movies. We like movies. I love movies. And sometimes we watch movies we like. It's yeah. fucking weird and frightening. I know. Yes, um, I watch movies I like all the time. Sometimes we watch movies we think we're going to not like, and we end up liking them. Yeah, there's that too. It's weird. Um, and we're not doing it 
because we're going to shit all over it. We're going to do it because it's awesome. Um, and there's kind of something to talk about here, especially with the new the new remake that had just come out. Which I could not, in any reality, squeeze enough time in to see. Um, but I did give a, the 2006 a shot uh, the other night. Oh, fell did. asleep and then remembered that I have seen it before. Um, and I remember it being an ugly, mean-spirited piece of shit. It is. Um... So Prancer. <laughs> Not, I mean, like, Prancer's, like, sullen. Yeah. But the Black right. Christmas 2006 remake is, like, whereas this movie, it, like, spoilers, I fucking love this, this oh, 74 version. fucking um, amazing. This fucking movie is great, and it works more like a whodunit or a murder mystery than, like, yes. what you think of a slasher. Pre- precisely. And 2006 Black Christmas is a stupid, loud, annoying slasher that it just replaces subtlety and tension with like, bah! and then someone's eye gets out, like <laughs> and eaten. Like what the yeah. fuck? Now here, here's a weird thing about that. So, so, so Connor fell asleep watching the 2006 one, and it's fucking bad. <laughs> today I watched. I didn't even bother seeing it. No, uh, today I watched um, the 2006 remake and the 2019 remake back to back, and then I watched 74 after that to cap it all off. Um. What's funny about the 2006 remake is that Bob Clark produced it, and he actually, uh, I saw an interview that he that he had done, he had, he like went to a showing of the 74 one and was talking about, like right before he passed away, which is in 2007, so <laughs> this comes out, oh. it, it's, it's kind of fucked up, right? So, yeah, so he's talking about this and he's, and he's like, oh, this this talented team, uh, writer directors, and they're gonna explore all the stuff about Billy and Agnes. And I'm like, do we fucking need that, Bob? I mean, fine. Y- y- you made Karate Dog, and you made Baby Geniuses <laughs> too, and motherfucker needed a paycheck or whatever. Karate Dog with Chevy uh, Chase as Choo Choo or some shit. Can you imagine that? I, I, we'll get to Karate Dog in a second. Fucking John Voight is in that movie for God's <laughs> sake. Pat Morita is in it. But, like, so, uh, the 2006 remake is exactly like Connor said. It's like, it's like putting on a pair of headphones and, like, shotgunning a Red Bull, doing a bunch of coke, <laughs> and, like, putting on, like, those sensory deprivation goggles, and then turning on, like, fucking, I don't even know what, a uh, 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 dubstep. That's what oh. it feels like because all all of the of the wonderful tension and 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 genuine creepiness has been completely sucked out of that film and replaced with just balls to the wall gore and and just uh, uh, egregious bullshit. Every fucking character in that movie sucks balls. Like that, that was something I remember too. Is that everyone's like okay? So something I like about this movie is that it takes place in sorority house, but it's finally decide like movies are functionally like every sorority house that's ever existed isn't a bunch of like just airheads with cleavage shown out who are just trying to have sex or like drink right. or, or getting drunk or doing any of the typical college movies show you sometimes I, I mean there is one character that kind of fits that bill but sure continue yeah but even even she is like you're the you are definitely the adult version of that like right well no sure yeah everyone in this movie feels like an adult the 2006 version Everyone's an idiot, and they're they act like children. Got yeah. So here's the fucking kicker, right? We're talking about a this is for all intents and purposes. And if you don't know this, 
we'll school you a little bit on on this film on the 74 version right if you haven't seen it you've probably seen it if you're listening to this episode um it, it paved the fucking way for the modern slasher right so this is the film where there are none of those tropes yet right yeah right yeah. they don't exist which is why it doesn't feel like a slasher movie no. that we've come to know them as because it's not it's doing it has no tricks to learn from i i would argue that it's shot in my opinion kind of like a fulci film i agree i was just about to, i was i was going to bring that up it is it is very what is it giallo giallo how the fuck do you pronounce that word it's giallo Okay. Why did I say that like I am fucking Italian? It's just Giallo. Yeah. Giallo. <laughs> Giallo. <laughs> Margarete. Um, yeah, well, there's the thing there. Like, um, there's, there's no tropes here because it hasn't been done yet. But I feel like m- even nowadays, people... When they make a slasher movie, they immediately think of, like, ah, Jason Voorhees in Halloween and blah, 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 blah. But, like, they do it by memory. Right. Yeah. Rather than actually going back and examining these films and saying, hmm, what worked and what didn't work? Or how can I make this work in a way that I can sort of replicate it in a, in a, in a, uh, in a way that's more of an homage than, like, uh, uh, a carbon copy, right? Right. And what ends up happening 90% of the time is they take all the worst things about these films and then yeah. try to fill out two hours. Which is why it's, for all intents and purposes and, and for the sake of argument, a fucking dead genre as far as the mainstream goes. Yeah. Because when's the last time anybody saw a good slasher film in theaters? I, d- I can't recall. I mean, I feel like I have, but nothing comes to mind. I mean, like, you can probably say Halloween, the new one. But Yeah, yeah, but that was good. It's, it's not it's not a new idea, I would say. Like, you no. know. Right. I've seen a lot of, like, good poltergeist movies, but, I, yeah, you're right, slashers, yeah. that's kind of a lacking category. There's two that I can recall that I actually enjoyed that were, like, newer, and that was, um, and they're both fucking remakes. House on a Sorority Row, which is the House on Sorority Row remake, and the fucking My Bloody Valentine 3D remake. Oh, that's right, My Bloody Valentine 3D remake fucking rocks. It fucking <laughs> rules, and that's a perfect example of doing, being able to, uh, kind of update it but keep it the same but also uh, 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 make it feel newer right i i would say maybe like it follows kind of rides a little bit of that line it's like not really a straight up slasher but the concept of this thing constantly coming after you i've never seen that it follows oh yeah it follows is good because it follows it's it's kind of taking the like the 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 unstoppable force kind of thing from like a jason or freddy movie and just sure. like Putting it in, per- in perpetuity, it's like that thing will not leave me alone. Right, right. it and just the, keeps following you. Well, it's like a form of like an STD, right? Is that how that? Yeah, film I mean, without going super into it, it's like sure. it, it's when they have sex, you know, it's passed on to the other person. Sure, and this thing just keeps following you, and if it catches up to you, it essentially it kills you. Gotcha, and then gotcha. goes back to the previous person. So. Yeah. Um, just to put a cap on the 2006 remake, it's just. <sighs> It's a lot of things that I just don't need to see, right? It, it goes, it delves into Billy's backstory, and he's like, you see him escape from the sanitarium. Yep, and and guess what, guys? He's got jaundice, and that's his big... Yeah. That's his fucking, that's his his misery. <laughs> he's, got, he's got jaundice, his mom was a piece of shit, and, like, ended up fucking him one night, and, like, that, and she what? got pregnant. Yeah, she got pregnant. There's, like, incest shit happening, and then she has Agnes. I was gonna say, like, it's, it is, it's... 
it leans into all the stupidest edgelord shit that <sighs> that a lot of movies will just like all right, let's go to this fucking well because we need something, you know, cheap and effective. Well, that's what it is. It's very much like the Billy origin story rather than an effective horror film about real life problems with a serial killer thrown in, right? That's what the original is. And that and in the 2006 one is just is just Oh, he! This is why he's crazy, and and this is what he does. And here we're gonna just <laughs> right. kill everybody in this fucking house because who could give a shit about any of these people? And you got, and you you have um uh the girl who plays Phil in this one. What's her name? Oh, where is she? Andrea Martin. Andrea Martin. Andrea Martin uh plays Miss Mac. I think her name's Miss Mac in the new one, or in the two thousand six one. But she plays the house mother, which is kind of cool. Like that's that's a thing, right? Sure, sure. Hey, remember that movie? We're not doing it here. Here's my question. When did the Halloween remake come out? When was Rob Zombie's Halloween? It wasn't much longer after that. Because I was going to say, that was kind of like a thing around that time. Yeah, I want to say it was the same fucking year. Was it the same year? No, it was, it was 2007. It was the next year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that was kind of like a thing around that time period of like bringing back these old horror movies and, you know, putting their own spin on it. Because that whole movie, like you just said... I just think of Halloween immediately because it's like the first half of that movie is just fucking Michael Myers turning into what he is. Which, honestly, it's my favorite part of that movie because it's the only thing that's like, oh, you, you, okay, you thought about this. And then once it's like, all right, now it's just Halloween one. Right, right. right. But a- again, in the same breath, it's just one of those things that y- y- I just don't, you don't need. <laughs> Why are we remaking movies that are legitimately great? Nah, yeah, right. Instead of, in- instead of remaking films that, could use a good update, right? Yeah. Well, that's why I think Halloween from last year was good because it was just like, no, it's a straight up sequel to the first one. That's it. It's a sequel. And fine, I'll take that. I'll take that over remake any day because I just, I would rather, right? No, yeah, agreed. But yeah, I mean, because, yeah, because I mean, even Platinum Dunes, uh, we, we got we got fucking Texas Chainsaw uh, and Friday. Uh, but- here, here's the thing. I was, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. with, this, with this movie having two remakes, like, I thought I was like, is that a high number for movie, like, horror movies like this, and I was like, no, because Texas Chainsaw Massacre has been rebooted, like, three or four times now. Uh, who could give a shit? Just put that one to bed. I know, at this point, like, what? and I think I think the next one's coming out. I'm like, you just fucking made one. Leatherface was right, last year. Yeah. I, was it really? I didn't even fuck, man. Ask me, and I couldn't fucking tell you how many Texas Chainsaw Massacres are, because I just don't give a fuck. Me and Ashley, my roommate, like, both watched it independently, and kind of, like, we brought, she was like, I was watching something the other day. She was like, about a fat kid, and like, he escapes from a mental institute. I was like, oh, you watch Motherface? She was like, yeah. I was like, oh, it's fucking awful. <laughs> oh, no, that sounds terrible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just nonsense, and fucking, uh, Iron Fist shows up for a little bit and then gets no. murdered. It's kind of funny. <laughs> like, like, one, one, two, Leatherface, Texas Ch- TCM3, uh, even Next Generation, and fuck it, I'll even throw that first remake in there. Those, th- so, th- so there's five films. I like that first remake. The first remake is good. I thought that was. I thought. I think it's a good film. I think it's fine. Arlie Emery's great in it. Yeah, yeah. Sheriff. Um, I didn't hate the Friday remake. I do hate the J- the Freddy remake. Oh yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street's trash. Um, yeah. we just watched the Hills Have Eyes remake not too long ago. That was fine. That movie's good. It's fine. It's Alexander Asia. Like it's fine. It's different enough from the original sure. that I'm into it. I mean, it's not the original's still better. I feel, and I, uh, yeah. Sure. And I liked Friday because I'm like, oh, you did like the first four movies in like a nice little condensed, digestible form. I like that. Sure, and that's and that's yeah. What... Some of the kills are a little lame, but I agree. Otherwise, yeah. 
And Derek Mears, why not? Right, and he's such a sweetheart, but that doesn't ex- <laughs> excuse the film. Going back to what Joe was saying, though, about like films that were influenced by Black Christmas, like you know, Friday the Thirteenth is the one comes to mind for me because there's these POV shots of this killer Billy in this mm-hmm. film. That uh, that's the first thing I think of is just Friday One, all those POV shots of Mrs. Voorhees, and it, uh, I don't know. I, I think I think Friday actually does it a little better. I don't I don't think so, but. That's my opinion. But they had to, fu- you know, they had to see this first, and I think. Sure. Well, here's the thing. I, I do want to talk about that, but can we just? I was. I want to wrap these two remakes up, and then we can talk about. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Then we, because I just want to talk about them sequentially, because I have a lot to say about '74. Ah, okay. No, you're good. You're good. I don't want to go too much off on a tangent, because I kind of want to just wrap these two up. So 2006, yeah, it's just it it it. it it's just like a balls to the wall kind of thing, and if you're into that, that's fine. I don't think Gore makes a movie. I think the story's kind of just fucking whatever. I don't need it. Like it, you could have had something really creepy and scary. The story sucks, and the characters are unlikable. So I don't yeah. give a shit what happens to them. I could give a fuck, and like yeah. it, it's not, and it's gory, but it's not gory to the point where it makes up for it. I don't think that really ever is the case. Well, it's gory. It's like, I first of all, I don't believe that someone could just take their knuckles and pluck people's eyeballs out with minimal no. effort whilst putting a trash bag over their head. It's not no. It's not possible. <laughs> what are you, a fucking... What are you, a kung fu master? <laughs> with a fucking unicorn... Uh, uh, glass unicorn. Uh, yeah, statue. A glass unicorn yeah. statue. Or Sailor Moon fucking miniatures. Yeah. I don't know. It's just... It's just fucking. It's bad. It's not. It's not very good. Although I will say, it's there's a lot of cool shots in it. But now after watching like seventy four again, like fresh right after this, it it pales in comparison. However, for that type of movie being a remake, it and updating it for the audience is like I think it's shot pretty well. I think the cinematography is good, and I really really love the lighting in the two thousand six uh, remake. It's like it's. It's this really oppressive, like red. Yeah, there's a like, lot of the times they, they 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 use a lot of like um, I don't want to say natural light, but they they rely heavily on like Christmas lights themselves. Yeah, well, that's kind of cool. So everything just looks like it, it's it yeah, and it kind of obscures your vision a little bit and just makes things a little more like. Wasn't that like the poster for that movie? Wasn't yes. it like kind of like the girl with the Christmas lights wrapped around her? Yeah, yep. and so it gives certain like shots like a certain cool attitude to them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it the atmosphere feels very good. It's very moody and and I don't know. I I like the way that it's lit and and shot for the most part. But I mean, other than that, it's just like Michelle Trachtenberg running around. <laughs> You know right. what I mean? Getting a fucking ice skate to the head. Re- rem- remember her, everybody? She was on Buffy. Yeah, remember Harriet the Spy? And Alex Mack? No, she does somebody else. <laughs> but yeah, so, I, I I mean, I don't care for the for the 2006 remake. I like it or hate it. I, I'm not a fan. Um, and then we come to the 2019 one. Okay, uh, so I watched it today. It's not a bad movie, okay? The problem here is that we're taking an IP and we're marketing it very differently than how the movie feels. Oh, God fucking damn it. <laughs> so when I walked, so, so, so when I walked into this, what, what's the matter? I just hate when f- that fucking happens because I, it's just, it, it's because I uh, look, I, I'm not the target audience, right? So yeah. of course that marketing is shitty to me because they're not trying to reach me. Right. That and like some movies that don't deserve to fail will fail. I know because like some there was some like 
idiotic choice made in the marketing team. But that's but that's that's what I'm saying here. I all I have I have seen. I mean, I was even I even fucking did it. I'll admit it. I'll be first up. When I saw that trailer, I was like, I don't fucking need this at all. Oh no, I I was like, fuck this, go away. Uh, because. <sighs> There's a good concept here, and actually, the message is pretty fucking powerful, and it actually hits home. For the for the most of that movie, it's done super well, and I feel terrible that th- this this director has been getting all the shit, and especially like the PG thirteen thing and stuff like that. Like, I don't need excuses, right? Like, she's trying, she's trying, they're trying to backpedal, they're trying to say this, why it's not rated R, and blah 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 blah, because people were like, oh, you can't have a horror movie not rated R. Yes, you can. Yeah, you can. Uh, we've seen it. We've seen it time and time again, and it's done successfully. I'm so- also also you. No one should be bringing up the R rating no. in relation to mass audiences because Joker just made a billion dollars. Sure. I don't want to fucking hear it. Well, right, yeah. Sure. I well, mean, but to Joe's point, there are good horror movies that are PG-13, but if you're... Sure, absolutely. If you're cutting shit out from a rated R to get PG-13, that irks me a little bit, but I yeah. get it from a business standpoint. Well, the, the point was people were complaining because they were like, oh, okay, you're taking out the gore to satiate a pg-13 rating so that right. tweens will see it right on one hand though i think i know what you're gonna say because if you're remaking the 74 version hey guess what guys it's not really that gory not only that no fucking 17 or 18 year old is, has the patience nowadays to sit and watch this film god no <laughs> <laughs> they can't appreciate this is boring the, where's the killer it is a little slow but it works it works for it. why are they talking so slowly oh my god it's fucking but well we'll get to it because we're gonna the whole episode's about that but like but like but yeah i guess what i'm trying to say is i get the message uh i think it's got a very strong first and half of the second act, and then it kind of takes a shit for me. Um, I don't want to go into too many spoilers, just because it just came out. I, you know, uh, I don't want to do that. But um, uh, if they had just stuck to if if it was more grounded, I think that's what I can say without spoiling it. If it was more, if the ending or or the last that last chunk was more grounded, I think it would be more impactful because instead of blaming x <laughs> i know this is going to sound silly but like instead of blaming one thing for certain actions you're kind of you're kind of uh uh deviating your whole message away from where it's supposed to be pointing at right mm. um and if you see the movie and if you've seen it you probably know exactly what i'm talking about um and again i don't want to spoil it um just in case but I don't think there's any teenage girls listening to this podcast, but if there are, I just want to <laughs> save that from them. And this is who the, this is the movie. This is movie is for them, right? And that's why I'm really pissed off. And I'm not pissed off because it's a movie for them. I'm pissed off because how it was handled with marketing. It shouldn't have been called Black Christmas, first of all, because the fans of this IP, this is not what they want, right? So strike one. Strike two is your cheapening your message with your marketing in my opinion um because those trailers made it out to be something that it's just not like 
those trailers made it out to be like, oh, Slay Girl, uh, oh, girl power, but it, like, really, like, surface-level non-feminism garbage? Yeah, Hollywood feminism, which is, like... Hollywood feminism. Look, we did a good thing, pass in the back. Right. But there is, that's what I'm saying, there is a solid-ass good message in this film that I think should reach um, its target audience in a more impactful way than it is. And it's a shame that it had to go that way. Like I th- it's a shame that it had to be called black Christmas. And it's a shame that the, that, that was the marketing. I feel like if they took it a little bit more seriously and didn't make it kind of silly, uh, or, or like in the marketing and the trailer looked like shit. Like if you just held a little bit more suspense, I mean, it, guys, they literally show the whole fucking movie in the, in the, uh, in the trailer. Like, God damn it. I thought they did. Doesn't shock me. No, but I thought it, I thought it did then. And I'm like, I guess I just saw the whole movie and like, it really, you kind of do like, you kind of see it in the whole thing. Um, save for some, for some bits. So I guess if you're interested, don't watch the trailer first. Don't watch the trailer first. There's, but like I said, um, I can't say enough good things about how they portray the, the main idea, um, and where they go with it for most of the movie and i particularly love the scene where um they are putting on they call it a prank in the in the in the film but it's like a it's like a little stage show that they do at this fraternity um which um outs some 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 rather disgusting things but it's done super well um but yeah uh so i don't have anything against the 2019 one because it's not even the same fucking thing at all and in my opinion it should have been called something else it didn't even need to take place on christmas you could have done that you could have had such a better return if you had just uh took a chance and 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 made it its own thing and 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 it's a shame because now it's gonna die (laughs) on the dark easter not even it doesn't it, it has nothing to do with the holiday it doesn't need to be there at all right but um it, it, it's 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 just a shame because because that director is going to is now is 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 going to be burned at the stake and so is the film and i think that's super unfair um and it's probably going to be one of those films that's going to be discovered in another fucking 5 or 10 years and be like that movie's great actually pushes up the fucking glasses i mean that always happens right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> never mind i'm not right. gonna say it um uh, <laughs> oh you mean like the prequels topical um <laughs> no i was actually gonna say like it's, it's funny because something similar happened to a very high profile horror thrower from uh when did jacob's ladder come out 80s 90s late 80s uh 90s i i think so i want to say early 90s hey everybody did you know a jacob's ladder remake came out this year uh no uh, I remember rumblings on it, but I didn't know it was coming out. I didn't know it came out already. Uh, I've seen reviews for it, and uh, it sounds basically the, the reviews were like, I don't know why it's called Jacob's Ladder because it's, it's got nothing to do with that fucking movie. Oh no! Why? See, I don't get that. Like, fine if you're gonna remake the movie. See, I've heard that argument too. They're like, well, if you're gonna remake a movie, it better do something different. And it's like, then make a fucking different movie. Yeah. 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 What the fuck? Call it something else. Are you fucking stupid? The point of a remake is to update old material. Right. It's it, not to it's not to make new material. <laughs> but that argument is so fucking stupid. It's stupid. Uh like yeah, make the movie but make it different but call it the same thing. Great. Perfect. And so, and in in some cases like Yeah, like uh get your hands off me you damn dirty human. Right? <laughs> yes. Right? Um uh 
and uh, Quarantine and Record are shot for shot the same fucking movie. Um, and Quarantine's not bad. It's just when you watch it, you go, it's the same movie. It's in English. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with uh, Let the White Right One In, Let Me In. Um, but yeah. that was probably one of the best examples of how to read. I don't. I personally don't think you need to redo the film in English, but if you're going to do it, uh, redo it in English, that's the way to do it because I enjoyed it just as much as the original and it was just very well done. And Who's was... excited for the English train to Busan, which will probably suck? Um, I don't need it because it's not... It... <laughs> that's the whole thing too, right? I mean, that's a whole other tangent, but like, ad- adapt in foreign films. Real quick, I will murder the man who remakes that movie because it's perfect <laughs> and but, I'll, I'll kill a man. But adapting the foreign films for an English thing, like, you, not only are you trying to adapt them in a different i mean look at death note yeah yeah right and not only you try to (laughs) adapt them in a different language but you're trying to adapt them to a different culture and it just sometimes most of the time doesn't work but right no so with those two with the two remakes out of the way let's talk about this lovely lovely horror staple that is 1974's black christmas this this lovely ball of suspense where we're Everyone's got uh, great clothes and great hair. Um, oh man! Um, so real quick, um, before we really start talking about it, I want to talk a little bit about the production of the film. Um, so it's directed by Bob Clark, man. Um, Bob Clark is—we don't talk about him a lot, but he's such a great director and. He's done a lot of bullshit, sure. I mean, when you talk about like baby geniuses or like <laughs> right. or or um, you know, karate dog, whatever the fuck that that is. I need to see that now. Um, but I mean, this is the man responsible for Dead of Night, aka Death Dream, um, Tom Savini's first film, uh, for special effects. That fucking film, my goodness. You know, for all the things that Bob now Bob Clark was is like so vehemently like he's not against horror movies. Like that's how he made his break, but like he was always not about doing them for the rest of his life, right? But his mm. best work, arguably is his horror stuff so so dead of night is um you know uh, 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 a veteran comes home from the from the um vietnam war and he's a fucking zombie like he's dead he's uncle sam yeah but it dude it, it's so good and i think we might do that next year for fourth of july because like that film is seriously excellent um it's very good i'm not i don't want to go too much into it now if we're going to do it or okay talk about it. but um and then he does um and then he's also oh his first his his other first film not his first film but the right before that was Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things which is fantastic great zombie flick if you haven't seen it definitely watch it Rhinestone with Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton and Murder by Decree the Sherlock Holmes movie um and he's got some you know which I haven't seen but every review I found of it was like this is an amazing movie oh it's excellent dude um and then it's just kind of also hilarious I mean he's all, he also uh, wrote and directed uh, Porky's. Um, which is a great, like, frat comedy. I mean, if you haven't seen that, do yourself a favor. I have friends who swear by Porky's. I mean, Porky's is great. I mean, it fits right in there with, like, meatballs and all that kind of shit. Yeah. But he also did 
A Christmas Story. Yeah. My my favorite Christmas movie, <laughs> hands down. Yeah, and it's, it's fucking bonkers, and I think this is the second film that... Uh, the second director we've done for Trashing Through the Snow this year <laughs> that has done both a horror movie and a, 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 a Christmas movie? Like a, a lighthearted Christmas movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but... but the, yeah, but this guy went deeper into uh, into one and did the other. Sure. Well, he excels in one, and then later attempts at the other, like Baby Geniuses, um, are complete whiffs. Because um, also, I think that Christmas Story is a freak show of a film that, like, uh, you read it on paper, you're like, this shouldn't work. Why does this work? <laughs> well, it, well, it was a novel first, I think, and and the um, the guy who wrote it actually worked co- real close with Bob on it. Um, yeah, I think my favorite thing about uh, Bob is that he's very particular, right? Um, not Kubrick level of takes, right? Like not that kind of thing, but like he he thinks he he it's very well thought out, and especially this film, uh, in particular, Black Christmas was very thought out. Um, they didn't have a lot; they didn't have a ton of money to work with. I mean, they, I think the budget was four hundred thousand. Oh my god! Wow, and everything was thought out it, where the light every, b- beforehand because they had like the house like way before production was going to start so they, they figured out the lighting and the audio and and how they were going to shoot it and the um reggie uh reggie morris the cinematographer is just fucking so great um on this oh man there's some really cool shots in the movie especially towards the end yeah i think throughout the whole film the framing like down the stairwells and everything is awesome sure sure, sure. yeah no i yeah um i also didn't realize that this movie had like this movie had, like, most people who think they may have seen this movie at least recognize imagery from it. And I can tell, I can say that sure. confidently. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, there's one particular image of someone's eyeball that I recognized immediately when I saw it. I was like, ah! Yeah, there's that. And then, the, you know, of course, the, the, you know, the poster with the with the girl in the rocking chair with the plastic over her face. But, um, I would say this movie feels methodical. So the fact that they had uh, all this time to plan it out really makes sense because... I can't think of a lot of movies that would take the time to show you certain things to build tension that I don't think a lot of people would bother to show. One, because the technology has been wiped out for it. We don't do it the same way. Um, Two, it just, I don't know, tension feels different when it's used in films like this nowadays. They don't bother really dabbling with it it's just like get to the next thing that's the whole thing right that's a, that's a big thing that's going to come up throughout this episode this film takes its time and the body count's small so we're not doing with like it's just, this is not really a you know people aren't being stacked up here no and that's another thing too like that's what i was thinking when i was watching this was like you know they call it the sl- uh, like the one of the first slashers right but it never feels like that and that i feel like i feel like the slasher quote unquote that came later you know what I mean? This is very much like, like you said, like a, like a, like a whodunit kind of crime film. And even it feels like a fucking giallo. When I was watching it again, I'm like, God damn, this feels like, yeah. this feels like an Italian yeah. horror uh, crime movie. You get, you get voices. You get, it's like, it's like POV shots, voices, mm-hmm. disembodied hands yeah. or, or limbs, eyes or what have you, obscured yeah. faces, something like that. Like that's why I like the first Friday a lot too, because I'm like the first Friday and the second Friday couldn't be more different because mm-hmm. like the first Friday is like, you again, you see a hand. Sometimes you see nothing. Sometimes you see someone look at the camera and go, Ugh! exactly. Uh, but, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But that's another thing too. Like, so I, I can't help but think, but like was Bob watching like those late sixties, early seventies giallo films. 
And like, I feel like he had to have been right. He had to have. Right. But like, I don't see that's the thing. Like, we all know these films now, but when they came out, I don't know how accessible they were to everyday folks. Yeah. Right. yeah I don't know. I don't know how I would have fucking discovered a movie like Tenebra. Right. No. Yeah. Through con- without the Internet. <laughs> right. Or like Death Walks on High Heels. You know what I mean? I mean, he had already made a couple movies, so he, maybe he had access to those films or he'd seen him even prior to making this movie. Right. Especially not like the deep, the the deep Italian films that like no. are just starting to see the light of day on 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 Blu-ray and stuff. Yeah, and like you know, uh, Shutter has a uh, a Jello section now, uh, like a little subcategory that's got like a couple like Argento movies I I didn't fucking know about, um, and like some other Bava movies. Oh, they just put Wax Mask on there, too. That one's fucking interesting. <laughs> but there's, like, a ton of great Bava and stuff that I don't think a lot of people... A lot of people... Now, when I say a lot of people, I'm, like, in, in the circle of people I know, yeah, of course, they're very familiar with it, but I feel like the, the, the mass at hand doesn't know what the fuck I'm talking about when I'm talking about Bava. You know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, uh, I digress. Um, they probably think we're talking about the witch from Dragon Ball. <laughs> Master Roshi's fucking sister, or whatever the hell she is. Oh my god! Yeah, by, yeah, yeah, Baba. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, uh, yeah, this movie. Um, I guess just like some some other trivia for this, real quick, before we get into it. Like this movie was originally called Silent Night, Evil Night. Ah, uh, uh, wow, that's actually not good. Not like yeah, no. Silent Night, Evil Silent Night, Deadly Night works so much better. Well, yeah, but that was, and then we we take that a little bit later. But it was yeah. It's, Silent yeah. Night Evil Night was the original title. I don't dislike it, but I like Black Christmas better. I don't dislike it either, and it's one of those things where... It pissed some people off. <laughs> you could have called whatever whatever you wanted. The film is still great, right? You could have called it fucking... Yeah. Uh, yeah. A death at the... You know, a sorority Christmas death or whatever, and I'd still fucking love it. But yeah, and we got fucking composer uh, Carl uh, Zitterer, Um I think that's how you say it. Zit- Zitterer. Because he's got like an R in front of the ER at the end. I don't know. Zitter, excuse me if I fucked that up. But like he did, he com- he composed, uh, you know, Dead of Night, Death Dream, aka Death Dream, and he did uh, Prom Night, and he even he even did Christmas Story as well, which I think is really because like I think about the Bumpus's dog music. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about it. I know. Like, I think of the Bumpus's dog music, and then I also alternatively hear him in this film just fucking banging on a fucking piano strings Oh, my and shit. God. When he's fucking with the lattice. But, yeah. So, let's fucking roll into this. Let's plot crunch this real fast. Um, super simple, super straightforward. A uh, group of sorority girls are home uh, for Christmas in their sorority house, and a maniac finds his way into the attic of the sorority house and terrorizes them throughout... The, the night, the day and night, or a few nights, right? I think. I think like two yeah. days. Lots of nights of rocking somewhere in a chair. I think it's like two days, yeah. Um, yeah. And there you go. It, but it, it's so simple, but it's so fucking good. Um, and the characters are great. Um, and we're let's let's do it. Let's do it. So we open up again. We were talking before about creepy POVs and shit, and making it feel like you know it feels like a fucking giallo again. It, you know uh, the it, the hand, the handheld camera being the POV of the killer and like creeping around this fucking house and breathing. We open right up with a good old fashioned. Oh my goodness! This movie opens. Up, <laughs> this movie opens up on a fucking still shot of this sorority house, um, and. The creepiest thing is like it's just silent, and it's just like yeah. And you hear the wind. That's a big thing in this movie, like just hearing the wind and like the creaking of the house and stuff. 
And then it just says Black Christmas. And then all of a sudden, we're fucking getting creepy as shit because we're we're moving around uh, uh, this POV. And then uh, he's like looking for a way to get in this fucking house. And uh, and then we get introduced to Margot Kidder. Yeah. Oh my God, she is drunk this entire film. She sure is. Like beginning to end. Uh, she like walks down the stairs and she's fuck. She's already sipping on a fucking whiskey and that fucking glass does not leave her hand or no, a cigarette for, not the, once. for the rest of the film. She's fucking. She's just like you know. She's like Haggerty with the Haggerty the blue. Oh, yeah. She you know he always has cigarettes. She's always got a glass of something. Oh man, she's like Charnetsky now. <laughs> what with the chunky chicken? No, with the fucking Bushmills, man. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's drinking. The that, man doesn't stop drinking. No, she's she's drinking that whiskey. Uh, so she like goes to shut the door because you think the fuck you think that he's gonna come in the front door and she's like somebody left the door open and she closes it and then this fucking guy scales now again this is all pov and you see and you see the guy's hands and shit he fucking scales the trellis on the side of this house and goes into the attic window and it's just so fucking disturbing like you hear him and he's like yeah, 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 yeah. it sounds like he has the microphone in his fucking mouth oh man it is creepy it is fucking creepy. It's one of the creepiest fucking things that I can even think of um, in horror cinema. No, yeah. Just breaking into a house all nonchalant because nobody hears him no. because they're having a party downstairs. Um, it's so simple and so effective. It's insane. Well, I also like how this attic is just in disarray, just yeah. covered in cobwebs and shit just kind of thrown all over the place, not really cared for. No. So about... I just want to say one thing about this attic. Um, now, this is an old... It's huge. Well, it, not only is it huge, <laughs> so this, so I experienced this in my own house, right? This is an old... Uh, this sorority house is old as fuck. I mean, we're it's probably, what, 1800s, I think? It, it looks... The, the attic looks like it's like an old fucking aristocrat's bedroom. Yeah. Or, or, well, it's huge. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I live in an old house, too. I think my house is from, like, late, like, super late 1800s, early 1900s. Whoa. Yeah. Um, And to get in the attic is the same size, right? It's this little scuttle. It's this little rectangular scuttle. And I'm thinking to myself, like, now, I we went up there, and I had to, you know, we had to, like, uh, finish it up up there because um, there was an insulation uh, problem. But you go up there... And it's fucking eight feet tall, and it's huge up there. I can walk around. I can have a fucking bedroom up there. But the only way to get to it is this little fucking hole in the ceiling. <laughs> and so my first thought is, how the fuck did they get all that shit in the attic? A rocking chair? I couldn't fit a fucking rocking chair through that hole. A fucking bed? Um, I just thought that was strange. Um... I imagine there was just, like, a giant hole in the floor, and then, like, the fucking the tiny hole came I later. I guess. Did, like, just, like, put the wood over the hole until it, like, gets into that little tiny spot? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. No more. Perfect. More. Yeah, great. More. More. Make it smaller. Smaller. Small. Perfect. Like I can't even fit a bin of fucking Christmas decorations through the hole in my in my <laughs> thing. It's like a little. You gotta skull. knock down the fucking wall to put anything big in there. I, I can barely fit through that hole, and I had to fucking bring up all the insulation and lay it in there uh, myself. But anyway. Um, I just thought that was funny because I was like, how the fuck is all this shit up there? People also find like sections of their house that like are like buried behind a fucking wall with their bookcases and they're like, oh, there's an extra bedroom that no one told me about. Oh my God. No, that's how you get the fucking changeling, dude. There's a fucking wheelchair and a bathtub in there and then it's all fucking downhill. And There's a fucking terrifying story on Reddit uh, about that actually. Oh my God. With, with photographic evidence. It's fucking freaky. Dude, kind of love it. <laughs>
but they they just they found like a homeless man's blanket and some Pringles. Oh, oh, I remember that. Yeah, that yeah, I remember yeah. that. But that's yeah, all full of shit. But uh, so so yeah, so we go into the house and um, so Billy's in there, and we go back downstairs, and um, uh, we get our first phone call to the house, and we're intro- <laughs> and we're introduced to Olivia Hussey. This or Husey, I don't know how to say. Is this is a girl who plays Jess? Yes. She's also in. Um, she's the. Uh, she's in Jesus of Nazareth and and um, some other film. I can't remember off the top of my head. She's amazing. Oh my god, she's wonderful. She's in the original It uh, TV miniseries. Um, she's really fantastic in this film. Oh my god, she's Bev, isn't she? No, no, she's um, she's Aud- she's she's Audra. She's Bill's wife. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. In the It miniseries, she was in Star Wars Rogue Squadron. <laughs> apparently was she really and she was also in the old republic holy shit no shit i didn't know that yeah neither did i so she's there and she's wearing like this fucking manos ass sweater like she looks like the master <laughs> i know i know i was thinking that too I was like what the fuck and she's got those fucking hands she has a fucking vampire collar okay like it's poked all the way out it's master like, i like your sweater the master says you must poke your collar out more yeah, it's like yellow and black, and like the points of her the her the her collar is pointed all the way out. Oh yeah, it's funny too because like there's a party going on, but the audio isn't that loud. Yeah, but when she picks up the phone, she's like, "Pardon, who?" <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was funny. <laughs> well, doesn't I thought doesn't I thought Barb picks up the phone? No, it's Olivia. Oh, I okay. mean, uh, it's Jess. The character Jess is Olivia Husey. Husey Hussey. I don't know how to say that. Um, and then um, and then we're also introduced to uh, Phil and Bob. Two, Andrea Martin playing Phil. Phyllis, everybody. <laughs> yeah, Phyllis. It's P H Y L. Is Bob? Is he the guy that ends up being Santa Claus later? Yeah, he's in it for like two seconds. He he he's in this scene and in the Santa Claus scene. There's a guy in a fur coat who I was like, "Who are you again?" Oh man, that's Art Hindle, man. That's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> was that Chris? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, this character Claire's uh, boyfriend, mm-hmm. and they have this whole scene where um, Margot Kidder. She makes fun of Claire and, like, gives her a hard time, yeah. and everybody else is just like, hey, you know, that was kind of mean. Yeah, because, like, uh, Claire is, like, a, I wouldn't say goody-two-shoes, like, that's kind of the wrong way, but she is, like, a good girl. She doesn't drink, really. She's not having, like, sex or whatever. She's not, like, she's very, what's the word, conservative? Conservative. She's very conservative, and, um... She's a shy girl. She's a shy girl, or what have you, you know, and she's... I mean, you see her father, and it's it's kind of like, it paints a picture. He is as, he is as stuffy as a cold, okay? Like... Yeah. She's supposed to be going home for, for Christmas break, winter break, and, um... She sees she sees Chris, who's Art Hindle, and he's like he's like, all right, well, I'll see you later. Bye. I'll, I'm coming back in the movie in about forty five minutes, <laughs> right? And then she she goes upstairs, but before she goes back upstairs, we see the POV of Billy come out of the fucking attic and into the house, and we don't know where he is yet. He's got he's got also like ninja like access to this house. Like he kind of goes in and out as he pleases. He's a creepy motherfucker, man. Yeah, he's nimble too. Yeah. Well, you know, like you were saying, Joe. Uh, well, first, Margot Kidder gets a call from, like, her mother, and she kind of has right. a debate with her over the phone, mm-hmm. and then Claire goes upstairs, and the scene where, you know, you get the POV shot of him coming out of the attic happens, and then you get that other phone call. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. This is the first phone call you hear, right? Man, this is bone-chilling. It's, okay, 
it's bone chilling when I think about being in that situation and getting a phone call like that because I I don't know I would like piss for seven days and seven nights if someone called me and screamed that shit to me. And the oh, and the other key point is uh, I think we kind of started to say it, but Chris and the other guys that are there all leave, and then this phone call yeah. happens. However, when you suck the context out of this, it's kind of funny. Maybe I still don't. I still don't think so. <laughs> because like maybe the first phone call. If you hear it as like you're like, hey, here's this here's this weird shit, and you're like, ah, yeah. it sounds like the Tasmanian devil just cussing at you. <laughs> Come on, kinda. Yeah. All right, you way to take the piss out of it. I, <laughs> he goes like that's my job. So, like, man, it's creepy. So it's three different voices, right? It's it's the director Bob Clark. Um, this woman, uh, Ann Sweeney and, uh, Dick Mancuso, and they're all doing like different types of, of Billy's voice. Cause it sounds like six different fucking people, right? Cause it's, I guess what is he supposed to be like schizophrenic? Yeah. He's like a schizophrenic psychopath or some, you know, they don't really go into it, which is, which is cool. Um, right. Just talking to himself in these different personalities, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's carrying on a three character conversation as the only actor in the room, essentially. Um, but he, he has the phone. He's like, he's like, Billy Agnes. <laughs> well, he doesn't even go into the Billy thing yet. Oh yeah, it's, oh yeah, it starts because they. Pay, I think Margot, uh, Robbie, Margot Kidder. <laughs> I was doing that earlier. So. Damn it! <laughs> um, Margot Kidder picks it up and she's like, "We got another moaner." Yeah, well, it's Olivia, or it's a, it's Jess, um, and she's like, she's like, "It's the moaner again." And then she puts it. She like holds the phone up so everybody can hear it. Yeah, he starts. He's like. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and he's like, I'm gonna lick your cunt. I wanna lick your sweet cunt. It was, it was, it was like the more, like, I did say it was funny, but the more he said that word, I was like, okay, stop. Like, <laughs> I, well, no, but but again, that's what makes it so fucking bone chilling. Yeah. It's disgusting. Like, it's so obscene. It's gross. I was like, I'm like, stop doing everything you're doing. And doesn't he then just start going on about his big, you know, juicy dick or something like that? <laughs> he sure does. And Margot Kidder goes, hmm, not bad. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. I fucking love Margot Kidder in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. Oh, she's great in it. Oh my god. I was like, she's making me sweat the whole time. Like it's Lois Lane. I'm like, God, you're so drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if she was this character in Superman. <laughs> oh man, sign me up for that. Oh my god, Clark's falling for a drunk. Well, fuck you, Clark. Okay, we're gonna do flyer on the wall again. Clark, you gotta fuck me for three days straight you gotta fuck me like those turtles can like those turtles i saw the zoo superman's like flying like holding her by like you know a blower and she's like has her arms out and she just like slips out of her jacket and starts laughing (laughs) (laughs) she he's holding her hair back she's just vomiting all over the city save me she she brings up the he brings a turtle he's like you broke talk about the turtle or turtles the these this turtle the ninja turtles no there's a villain in dc oh the turtle that fights pennywise well no the turtle that slows down time oh i thought i thought you like michelangelo no this isn't the michael bay movie there's no there's no interspecies flirting (laughs) so um so yeah, so he's just like this obscene phone call. It's creepy as fuck. And at the end of this fucking phone call, like it's all this crazy gibberish and all this bullshit. And then in a completely sober, calm voice. Oh, that's right. He snaps back to it. Yeah, man. And in a completely sober, calm voice, he just goes, I'm going to kill you. And then hangs up the phone. It's like the only moment of uh, clarity you get from that guy in the movie. Because I mean, we spoilers, we don't learn a lot about him. Um, it's fucking bone chilling. Yeah. 
Like, so he has, like, you're like, oh, you have some semblance of control. That makes you far scarier. And she tells him to go stick his dick in his fucking socket or some shit, uh, wall socket, and hangs up. Yeah, go get yourself a charge. Stick your dick in his socket to get yourself a real charge. Yeah, and then they hang up the phone, and then they kind of just forget about it. Like, it's creepy, but they're kind of just like, whatever, just some asshole. And she makes some comment like, oh, yeah, you know, I get fucking calls like this at least twice a day in the city and and blah 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 and then claire makes a point and she's like well i don't know that was pretty disturbing and like didn't a girl just get like raped down the street and marco kidder's just like shut the fuck up like yeah she's like she's like listen claire you can't rape a townie yeah Yeah, what the fuck was that was that just like a 70s mentality thing or was that just like her being an asshole no i think margaret kidder was just probably you know it was like a weird attempt at slut shaming or something like that yeah she's she's a real piece of shit in this movie she's a piece of shit but she's hot (laughs) sorry (laughs) i don't find her that attractive nah yes i like margaret kidder a lot i'm much more in 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 Camp Jess. I think she's a good actress, but I don't really think about her that yeah, way. Um, yeah. Also, she's a good actress, too. Sure. And she's Lois Lane. Like, I don't know. It's like, it checks a couple boxes. Yeah, sure. No, I get it. I get it. You're living out that DC fantasy, dude. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Claire gets all offended and she goes upstairs and everybody's like, way to go, asshole. And she's like, what? I haven't had too many drinks. And they're like, yeah, you have. Meanwhile, she has fucking like uh, airplane bottles like on the wreath outside of her door <laughs> on her bedroom. <laughs> She plucks them off, one for each of yeah. the 25 days of Christmas. Um, and she has three left. What does that say? She makes a point to say, too, when Claire marches off upstairs. She's like, ah, virgins. I know them when I see them. Yeah, the fucking door rings, and uh, this head mistress comes in. She's like, ah, here comes one. Miss Mac, dude. So I was kind of musing with this uh, before we got into it, but I'm almost positive Miss Mac is our fucking Galadriel of the MDU, dude. Really? Yeah. She's fucking, she's a booze hound. She's <laughs> hanging out with fucking Charnetsky. She's like, come on, come, come to Rivendell. We'll get fucking shit faced. Me and the whole gang. Charnetsky's just standing there, like, thinking about it, getting horny, and, uh. <laughs> wow, you're really turning my crank there, Miss Mac. You want to go Mac it? Or he's whatever. Like, he does the, they do the whole fucking scene from, uh, fucking, what is it, Five Armies, where he's like, come back with me. <laughs> <laughs> Haggerty the Blue walks by covered in smoke. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Charnetsky, uh, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea. Have you guys seen Margot Kidder around here? I think she's got my cigarettes. I'm pretty sure she smoked them all. She's drinking a lot. <laughs> There's too many bearded white guys walking around this place. Charnetsky just looks down. He just sees, like, you know, he sees Haggerty, like, with a carton of cigarettes. And he's just like, yeah, it's, don't you already have enough? And he's like, never gonna have enough. <laughs> I feel like it's only a matter of time before we, like, we, we also say the lead singer of the Bee Gees was one of these fucking wizards, like... <laughs> Andy Gibb? Well, Andy Gibb's the other blue wizard. He's Gibb. He's just, he's just, he's just far thinner than the rest of them. Yeah. He's like, he's like, what you doing? What you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so, so Miss Mac comes in and she's like, hey girls, how you doing? Oh, goddamn, I had an awful day or whatever. Merry Christmas. And, um... Now, this scene is, like, intercut with Claire getting ready, because Claire's getting ready to leave the house um, to go get picked up by her father uh, uh, down at the college, right? Down the street. And um, they give they give Miss Mac, like, a fucking, uh, a really disgusting night, night shirt or night moo-moo or whatever. This thing is fucking horrible. Oh, man, it's fucking 70s as fuck. It's, like, 
mint or uh, it's like pea green with like yellow trim oh, on it. Oh, okay, yeah, I, b- I barely remember this in between yeah. getting handed pieces of pie. She makes a joke later on in the film. She's because she's a drunk. She's like, "Huh, I won't even go to get my liver taken out wearing this." <laughs> so, so, uh, so Claire's in her room, and you know the girls are downstairs with Miss Mac, and um, man, again with that POV. There's like a there's you know those like um plastic coverings you put on like dresses and shit so they don't get dusty or whatever or like suits right um so that's like in this closet and it's a pov like looking out of this and like you can see there's a shot into the closet where you can kind of see billy like behind the the clothes and then you see just enough of him for for it to be creepy man it is fucking it is creepy as shit and um claire thinks she hears her cat in in there and she like goes in to look for it and then he just fucking wraps this plastic around her face and fucking chokes her to death and then drags her ass up the fucking up into the attic oh man he's got some fucking strength let me tell you okay because yeah he's got no problems going up and down that attic no carrying bodies carrying either people or stuff yeah man he's got fucking crazy strength like leather face strength yeah so then, so so Claire, one off the board. Claire is up in the attic now. Claire's kind of like, I'm like she's like the reason this movie kind of gets into motion. I well, yeah, she's she's the catalyst for well, the fir- she's the first one to to go, which is also strange because she's. It's usually the people that you know. It's become a trope where. Um, it's always the person who's like having sex or like drinking or like going to do drugs out and wherever, but she's, she didn't do anything. Yeah. It seems like, it, yeah, like the most harmless one of the group got picked first. And yeah. It, but this again, and this is before it was, there was any tropes to be had. Yeah. Know? Final girl didn't exist yet. Right. And I, yeah, I also feel like this movie does a really good job of explaining away why people aren't looking for these bodies right away. Uh, that's well, yeah, man. That's where I wanted to come back to with like the meticulousness of is I don't, I don't even know if that's a word, but anyway, uh, the meticulous um, eye of like Bob Clark, like and planning this all out and making sure, like, well, you know, really thinking about this shit, and like, okay, well, if she disappears, like, why would people not be able to find? Like, what would make yeah. the most sense? You know what I mean? She was leaving, so no one's gonna go look for her, and and it, it works perfectly with the plot and it's so fucking nice and tight um it and that's why it really works well i think i think that's why this movie is so fucking pitch perfect but um but yeah so so claire's dead and um now we're just kind of we kind of just hang out with the girls for a little bit and uh mrs mac and we find out miss mac's a fucking booze hound too because she goes over <laughs> to the what, what did she do sean she goes into like the the cabinet where they have all these books and she's like b b b yeah b is for booze and she pulls a fucking bible off the shelf and she's got it like the center cut out for irish whiskey <laughs> crab apple no booze yeah hey, i'm surprised she found it so quick good thing it wasn't jonathan looking she'd be sick fucking sitting there for nine hours trying to locate it she's she's sucking that down and then jess comes back into the room and she kind of shoves it back into the book real quick and uh the phone rings again and this time it's uh peter yeah uh, jess's boyfriend how do you say his name i i i, I think it's a cured cure delay cure cure or delay i think it's delay cure delay and yeah cure delay and he was in um He's uh he's fucking uh, Dave Bowman from 2001: A Space Odyssey, dude. No shit. Oh my god. Yeah. I think I knew that and just forgot. I okay. He is unrecognizable in this because he looks like a skeleton with a wig. He's got mop head. Yes. <laughs> he 
does. He looks like a Scooby-Doo character. He's the only one this with bad hair. He is a piece of garbage. Oh, he's fucking trash. Oh, yeah. I, I like how the moment you meet him, you're like, oh, you're not put together well at all. You're falling apart at the seams. Everyone else is yep. very much in control. He lives like in a conservatory, like as a musician at college. Yeah, he's like a pianist. He wants to be like a, a concert pianist. Right. And he's like practicing and he calls, you know, Jess and he's like, well, I really want to see you. And he's like, oh, I've been practicing all day and I'm, I, I can't, I have my uh, dissertation later, or my recital. And she's like, oh, yeah, I have to talk to you about something, kind of planting seeds for uh, a future conversation they're going to have. And then we kind of just fuck around a little bit more in the sorority house. Like, there's a scene where fucking Miss Max, like, brushing her teeth and then she pulls a fucking bottle of booze out of the toilet and like uses it for like mouthwash <laughs> the little bit of comedy yeah. in this movie is fucking fantastic it's on point too you know what i mean like as for dark as this movie is the comedy bits are pretty fucking good and they never really take you out of it you know no in fact a lot of it feels just kind of like oh yeah this is this is what happened and like the one thing I thought was uh, later on, I'm just referring to a character as Officer Giggles, but we'll talk to him. We'll talk about him later. <laughs> because right after this fucking little tidbit of like humor, we cut to the fucking attic, and Claire is got a plastic. She's dead as a fucking doornail, sitting in a rocking chair. Kudos this actress because they're just like, all right, we're gonna film you downstairs talking to people, and then every other shot we need of you is in this rocking chair with a bag over your head. <laughs> yep, so it's gonna show up in like a third of this movie. <laughs> and of course, this is the iconic, uh, you know. The iconic image of uh, Claire in the chair with the plastic bag over her head, like, still screaming. And she has, like, the doll in her arms or whatever because, like, Billy, like, set her up. And, yeah, and every now and then Billy's like... Yeah, and he's like, hey, 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 I'm singing about... What is he, ha- what is he fucking Adam Sandler? <laughs> <laughs> I think I... Rocking the chair, rocking the chair. Oh, fibbly do. Boobies. That'll be the remake. That'll be the next oh, remake. Oh my god! Do you, it'll be on. It'll go right to Netflix. Because because what did he say? If un, uh, uncut gems doesn't do well, he's like he's just gonna make the worst movie possible. That'll be it. There you go. Adam Sandler's Black Christmas. The third Black Christmas. I fu- you know what? I fucking dare him to do that at this point. All right. Black Hanukkah. There you go. Yeah. Eight Crazy Nights Two. Black Christmas <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> the crossover nobody asked for but yeah and this is he's you get like little tidbits of him of billy like by himself and he like starts singing to her and stuff and like rocking her in the chair and he's like the rabbit skin i put a baby in a rabbit skin and wrap him up or whatever and it's just like creepy as fuck he, he, okay here's the thing about what i find be terrifying about this guy is that um he's completely unstable i see people on the bus who not to this extreme but act kind of like this we're like, we're, we're like, I had a guy who was sitting next to me across the bus the other day, and every now and then he would look out into nothing and kind of do like an affirmation hand gesture at nobody in particular. But he would do that in the middle of like, like, st- like, he'd get up and go press the button for the bus stop, sit down, affirm an invisible stranger. Um, he would get out, look at his phone, <laughs> and affirm Whoa, an invis- yeah, it, it was fucking like. You sure he wasn't an exorcist? Uh, I mean, like, I'm sure he's, like, on something, but it's just, it's when you sure. catch a human being, you're like, what kind of glitch is going on over there, buddy? Like, uh, and it's like, that, this is making me uh, exceedingly uncomfortable. Yeah, and in this case, like, this guy just fucking bibble babbles all kinds of weird, uncomfortable shit at a different pace and a different, like, you know, uh, 
uh, uh, stream of thought process seemingly every time you see him, and it's just it, it's impossible to to kind of get a grasp on him or kind of get him. I mean, it's the cadence. It he does like. Oh wait, are you talking about the bus guy or are you talking about Billy? Ha! <laughs> no, I'm talking about Billy. <laughs> You're talking about really okay, yeah, yeah, because he's like he's talking like again like he you can even you can even call him a schizophrenic because like he's got like three different or four different voices it sounds like you know what I mean and yeah he's, he's like playing he's being himself and then he's being Agnes and then he's being himself talking to Agnes and then he's being his mom and his or his dad talking to him then talking you know that it's fucking and, crazy like, if he is a schizophrenic because like we still don't quite understand the nature of it and when you go case to case like sure that is fucking scary uh to think about yeah. because like i think there was a documentary i saw where some guy said he had it and he's like you know when you have schizophrenia the devil's in the back seat the devil's not really in the back seat but if it looks real and smells real it's fucking real <sighs> it's terrifying yeah right <laughs> it, like uh, i don't know man mental issues like that scare the fuck out of me yeah. and uh, it's they're so unpredictable and they're so mysterious yeah and i think this guy would probably come off as like movie crazy um sure someone tried this now but because like in the times, like the setting and the time period, it just comes off as like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Oh yeah. So we get to the college and we're introduced to Frank Oz. Um, no, it's not really Frank Oz. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> it's it's Claire's dad, and he's there. Claire's dad, who is just gazing off. Kind of looks like ga- him. He's gazing off into infinity. Um, and then he is just fucking annihilated with a snowball. Oh yeah, he gets fucking hit right oh, in the face. Oh god, it looks painful. <laughs> And this guy comes over and he's like, oh man, sorry about that. I guess I should have kept a better eye on the kids. I'm sorry. And he's like, he's like, yeah. And he's like, hey, fuck off, man. Like I said, I'm sorry. You want to pay for my fucking glasses? <laughs> <laughs> They're just totally destroyed. So yeah, he's looking for Claire. And uh, I think he asks this dude about if he, if he knows Claire. And she's like, oh yeah, she's like, whatever. She's like, she lives at the sorority house or down the street. Uh, uh, I didn't see her today. Bye. You want some weed? Slam cut to fucking Bob as Santa Claus going, ho, 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 shit. Yeah, he's like, oh, these little bastards on my knee. Meanwhile, there's like a little girl on his knee. And Margot Kidder's in the background. She's like, yeah, good for you, Bob. Have another drink. Fuck yeah. I like how she's just perpetually lit this whole time and just gets oh, yeah. worse and worse over time. I love these two because, like, we do some split diopter shots in this, and this is one of them, um, where, like, the foreground's in focus and the background's in focus, and you get that sweet, like, blur line around it. Yeah. Uh, I always love that. I love that stuff. Um, so, yeah, so so they're there, and they're doing the Christmas thing, and the uh, they're, you know... The kids are going to see Santa at the sorority house. I don't know what it is, like if it's a charity thing or what. Yeah, I don't get it either. I mean, it's whatever. Um, and then Claire's dad ends up going into the house. <laughs> Mr. Harrison, by the way. Because first, uh, Miss Mac, she has fucking Harrison up in Claire's room, and he's, like, looking around, and, and you gotta picture this fucking guy. He is just, like, this tall, lanky, like, balding man with these, like, octagonal glasses. <laughs> he looks like Frank Oz. Who has a perpetual... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Per- with a perpetual, like, frown. Oh, he's not happy to be there. No, no, no. No, not at all. I am very... I'm quite miffed. <laughs> well, he says that, because she, uh... There, there's a fucking poster on the wall of, like... Two people having sex and Miss Max like putting her hand over like their butt cheeks and trying to hide it. <laughs> it opens on a scene of like this, uh, that classic like grandma portrait, like they express oh, yeah. yourself or whatever, and it's like uh, yeah, where it yeah. shows the grandma like slowly giving the finger in the portrait. Um, 
and shit like that. And that poster Sean was referring to is like these two people fucking in like the shape of a peace sign. <laughs> and he's like, hi, I didn't send my daughter to school to uh, have uh, sex and uh, drink alcohol and have a boyfriend. And it's like, what is what are we, your fucking daughter's keeper? Like, how are we going to how are you going to stop her from doing <laughs> yeah, it? Right. That's something you need to take, take up with your daughter. But and, anyway, but but but, Ms. but, Mac- but the funniest part. Sorry, uh, the funniest part of the whole thing is she, while she's trying to cover up this poster, he's she's like, "Let's go downstairs." <laughs> and she's oh, basically the door is like right in front of the poster. She pulls it towards her, walks out. He comes with her and then like he comes back, opens the door and looks at the poster and just looks appalled. <laughs> there's a there's a great exchange where she's like, "Oh, um Maybe she's down at the market. Can you take me there as, as, for a ride? He's like, I know where it is, but yeah, I guess I'll drive in. She's like, okay, perfect. Thanks. <laughs> then she goes in the bathroom and she starts putting her lipstick on, <laughs> but she's so wasted. She only does like the top left part of her lip. It's halfway done. Doesn't she flip him off too? And she comes and she's like bitching about this dude the entire time. Like, what a moron. What an idiot. Yeah. He, he, she's like calling the cat. She hears the cat again, but I'm pretty sure that's fucking Billy making that noise or the cat's in the attic and it can't get out. Oh I God. Think. How long has they been like hearing shit from the attic going like, well, well the cat's up there. It's like hell of a thing. Yeah. Hell of a thing. <laughs> it must be the cat. She even <laughs> says, she even says later, how the fuck did the cat get up there? And I'm like, exactly. It's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's unfortunately not the first horror movie I've seen with this situation well it's the first of its kind true (laughs) so mr harrison he takes uh mrs mac with him and i love this shot because it's like the it's a pov of like kind of like just picture like from an attic window and uh they're going into uh i believe it's a cab and it kind of zooms out and it just comes out and it's claire in the fucking rocking chair it's 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 really well done. Yeah, this movie likes to remind you that Claire is still dead in the house. Oh, yeah. It, it's got to remind you because she's literally up there the entire film. Yeah, and like a lot of characters are indisposed in this movie because they don't know where she is. I think my favorite thing about Claire is that we never find Claire. <laughs> right. She's just perpetually missing. The The only person that finds her is immediately taken out. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm saving all of my, my grand thoughts for how this all wraps up for the end because i have lots of positive thoughts then we go to to this conservatory oh here's the pencil with hair (laughs) he's fucking he's like a skeleton that someone just like slapped a fucking green sweater and a wig onto he's just gone (laughs) and i think it's because like the way people dress in the 70s like guy like everyone like especially guys were like weird tight clothing with like felt fucking bell-bottom jeans and like everyone's was just fucking rail thin for some reason this guy looks like he needs a burger. I don't know what it is. I wish I was that thin. Me fucking too, and here I am <laughs> shitting on his physique. Like, <laughs> well, like we were saying, he's like playing the piano, trying to just like become a symphony orchestra piano player. Yeah, like a concert pianist. She, Jess is there talking to him, and she's like, "I have to tell you something important." He's like, "Oh, you know how important this recital is to me. I have. I've been practicing. Like, you know, pretty much reiterating what he said on the phone." And she's like, "Uh, Peter." I'm pregnant. And he's like, huh? What? I love babies. That's great. And in the same breath, she's like, but I'm going to get an abortion. Yeah. And he's fucking crushed. Before we, before we talk about this asshole, um, I want to bring this up specifically because this is a huge part of this character's arc in this film. Um, 
And when we really, when we were talking about how these characters are fleshed out and how they're actual people and have actual problems and aren't one-dimensional assholes that just get offed, you know what I mean? Um, everybody has a purpose in this film and everybody has a, a good story to them, right? This in particular is such a heavy. I I I heard people talking about like the remake uh, being you know women centric and blah blah blah. But like this movie very much is, um, and this is such a controversial thing, especially for this time period. Yes, I I don't think that this was something that was normal that happened a lot. I think this movie takes a very graceful stance on a topic that can lead people into red faced arguments. Yeah, it's a very taboo thing at this point. Yeah. I mean, it still is, right? Um, for some people, for some groups. But they make this, they, like, I feel like they make a convincing argument for Jess's case here because Peter is such a, a selfish piece of shit. Like, seemingly deliberately steps over, around, and, like, under all of her emotions and words half the time. And kind of like finds the, time. finds the quickest way to lead it back to his interests, and he just rubs me the wrong way. Oh yeah, he's a selfish piece of fucking trash, and I hate him. Um, and she, I, I just love how this film depicts. She's such a strong woman in this film. She's such a strong woman. Like, like she's like, I made my decision. This is my 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 choice. Like, we didn't plan this, um, and it's gonna fuck up my life. And I have so much, I have so much that I want to do with it. And I'm not gonna let you fucking stop me, right? And I'm not gonna let this baby that I'm not ready to have yet. Maybe someday, right? But I'm not having it now. And you might think that's a simple thing, but like, there's plenty of times, even nowadays, like where people get pressured into that shit. You know, they feel obligated, right? And I just think that's such a that's such a powerful message for this film without being like beat you over the head with it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a horror yeah. movie that tried to say something and did it successfully without having to do anything stupid or offensive right. to get there. There, there's no ham fistedness. Yeah, and a lot of times it's very eloquently done. And a lot of times, like especially like when a uh, like a big budget slasher film will attempt something a little more grand than what it's doing, it doesn't really come off that well. Because uh, no. surrounding it, you're like, everything else is poppycock and ridiculous, so why'd you stop to be so serious all of a sudden? Meanwhile, this movie never <sighs> tries to be anything other than serious. If you have to tell me what you're trying to do, you're not doing it well. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. If I'm telling you the trick, it's not a trick. It, it, right, exactly. And But it's just very, it's just, I think it's just very good storytelling, to be perfectly honest. Well, it's, yeah, and it ties into, it, I think it ties into the entire ending of the, of the movie, because I don't think it works without the context of these two having some kind of conflict. No, it doesn't. Um, And it has nothing to do with the killer. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> at all. It's, it's, it's an amazing B story that loops right back into the A story at oh, the yeah. end. Like, seamlessly. I kind of like all the 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 subplots in this movie because i think it, Me it too. all kind of keeps everything uh nice and busy hey maybe it's actually a well-made film maybe. go figure again we're thinking about every fucking piece of this logically and critically and i think that's why it's so good because i just feel like people don't take the time to do that people don't even want to take the time like again like the get let's get to the thing to the thing to the thing and i feel like that's such a trend now um people forget how to tell a good story because people are impatient pacing yeah pacing right or even just like uh, the content wise you know what i mean no yeah for sure you know if it's just bad that you know sure. no, pacing or no pacing is not going to save it yeah i mean again there's a million ways to say a certain thing and you can easily fuck it up but once you get it when you get it right you, you 
it's it's really good, you know? Exactly. Andrew, when you do something right, people hardly notice you've done anything right at all. It, well, that too, yeah. But they sure know when you fuck it up, that's for sure. <laughs> that's the moral of that episode. That's that's my favorite Futurama <laughs> episode, when he meets God or something. So eventually they decide that they're going to discuss this at a later time, the next day, I believe, or later later in the day at 9. Peter's like, I'm okay with this. Yeah, she's like, you didn't even ask, you didn't even ask my opinion what I think. And it's like, okay, to an extent, I get it. Also, you're predictably hot-headed and selfish, so <laughs> why bother? And saying, oh, you're selfish, Jess, you're selfish, you only care about yourself. Like, that's not abusive? You're selfish. What about my recital? Yeah, what about my <laughs> recital today? You don't you don't ever consider, any, consider anyone but yourself, do you? And I'm just like, god damn, like... <sighs> This guy is fucking trash, dude. I, I don't like him at all. Well, and, and the way this movie plays out without just going into it, it seems like she just did this, like, because she felt like she owed him that. Yeah. And she totally didn't have to. No, and she to- no, she didn't have to say a word. And she just wanted to be honest with him, and that's what you get, a fucking smack in the face, you know? Yeah. Not a literal smack in the face. That would be all- that'd be even that would make this whole situation worse. That'd be greater. I mean, watch this fucking wig fly off. What? <laughs> that, that would be elves. <laughs> so he's like, Oh, get out of here. We'll talk about this later. You'll change your mind. We'll see. And I'm like, dude. Leave me and my piano alone. Yeah. While I fucking make this shitty music later. <laughs> it's bad. Okay, yeah, then we cut back to the sorority house, and it's another uh, sweet diopter shot, split diopter, and fucking Mr. Harrison's sitting there, and Margot Kidder is feeding this child champagne? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This guy looks so, like, he doesn't want to be there. He's trying not to really pay attention, but he can't help but watch. He's not happy, put it that way. (laughs) You getting schnockered, kid, or what? So then Billy calls again. Yes. And this is when he actually has dialogue and this is the first time you hear his name and he's like what your mother and I must know is where's Agnes Billy 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 it's fucking bone chilling yeah your impression is is both excellent uh and funny because to hear somebody else doing that is jarring (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm not even doing it justice, dude. This is also like the first time they inexplicably try to make you think that it could be Peter. Because that's kind of like a theme throughout the film. Is right. It's like, oh, is it Peter? Is it some other guy we don't really know about? Uh, because he's never shown without being in shadows or behind something, kind of. And he kind of has the same stupid big hair. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As we come to find out. And he seemingly has long sleeves on. Yeah, and he's just dressed like he's from the 70s, like everybody else. <laughs> 70s, man. Yeah, like he doesn't wear, like, that's another thing about Billy, like he doesn't wear a mask or anything like that. You don't even see the fucking guy, which is fantastic. No, you see his weird eyes. You see his eye, his hands, uh, his feet sometimes. Yeah. Uh, the outline of his of his big shaggy hair. That's his long con. He's like he's like I'll get a wig like that idiot. I'm gonna I'm gonna blame it on Peter. And always stand where one of my eyes is lit. So so they get this call again and um yeah they're finally like they're finally like fuck this we're getting weird calls you know where where's Claire nobody knows where the fuck Claire is and then finally we all we uh I believe Uh yes they this is when they're like all right it's time to do something about this yeah so they go and report it. They go down to the precinct and report it to fucking this asshole Nash is his name. They report it to uh, David Caruso from CSI Miami. <laughs> Doug McGrath, by the way, um, he's in Porky's too. And he's, well, Porky's, I don't know about Porky's too, like T-W-O, but T-O-O. And he's in Pale Rider too. Um, and Officer Nash in this movie, 
is the thundering dumbass. Oh yeah, he's he's a gullible fuck. Okay, <laughs> it's no wonder why he works the front desk. He's an he's an unlikable Don Knotts. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he's deaf or something. I'm deaf or something. <laughs> he's dumb he's or something. <laughs> I'm stupid or something. <laughs> Oral sex or something. <laughs> <laughs> What's a fellatio? Oh my god! A fellatio. There's a new area code. Um, so they're so they're there, and it's Miss, it's Mr. Harrison, Phil, and um, Barb and Jess. Are they all there? Yeah. Cause oh yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Barb is like still kind of like. She, I mean, like, she never. It, there's no day and night drinking, I guess, for Barb. It's just drinking. Yeah. Um, oh, it's just a perpetual fucking blur. Actually, no, no. Jess is not there. She kind of hangs back because while this is happening concurrently, uh, Mrs. Mack gets back to the house to get packing because she's going to visit her sister for the holiday. Oh, yes, that's right. So they're in the precinct and they're and they're trying to explain to her, or they're expre- bleh, they're trying to explain to Nash that like uh, Claire is missing and they have to do something about it. And he's like, well, I don't, you know, I if she hasn't been gone for like twenty four hours or something, shit like that, they won't start looking for her or something, right? Yeah, it's something similar to that. Um, they don't he basically he takes it lightly, right? And um, he takes down the phone number for the uh, for the. Um, sorority house and like margot kidder like gives this guy a bunch of shit and then like cracks a beer just like in the fucking police station yeah um and he's like oh what's the what's the number to the sorority house and i'll let we'll you know we'll let you know if anything if we hear anything and uh she's like uh fellatio 2880 and he's like what and she's like, Felatio. And he's like, watch that. And she's like, oh, it's a new, it's not a new area code, but what is it? It's just like a new street number yeah, or some shit. Like it, like, yeah, it's, a, it's some new address, uh, like, feature or it's something. It's like new area new area code or some shit. And she's like, F-E, Felatio. And he's like, <laughs> she makes him spell, he like makes her spell it. Yeah. And she's like trying not to laugh like so oh, hard. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Yeah. And then I'm thinking to myself, like, there really is a girl that's missing and you're fucking with this guy for cheap for a cheap laugh. First of all, I think she. This character has probably never been uh, consciously sober. So <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um. Oh, you know what happens? Jess. Right after this, Jess goes to visit Art Hindle playing fucking hockey. Yep. And he's like, "Hey," she's like, "Hey, have you seen Claire?" I love this too because like most most of the movie most of the movie is these characters looking for this one character, right? Yeah. And they go to the cops. They go to the people on the campus, can't find her. The sorority sisters can't find her. Oh, well, who's the last person left to talk to? Oh, Art. Or, or Chris, rather. Art Hindle. Um, so Jess goes down there and talks to uh, Chris. He's playing hockey, and he's like, oh, you know, Jess can't find her, and, uh, you know, nobody knows where Claire is, and people think she's with you. And he's like, I haven't seen her since blah, blah, blah. And, like, obviously all of them know that this is not something that Claire would do, just fucking get up and, and disappear or just run off somewhere. So she gets him, and they, and you know, they uh, go back to the uh, precinct, right? Yeah, and they meet Lieutenant John Saxon. Oh. Yeah, baby, fucking John Saxon. I fucking forgot he was in this movie, and then when I when he showed up, I lit up like a fucking Christmas tree. No pun intended, because like I, I think the world forgot how good John Saxon is and how charming and likable he is and everything he's done. He was. <sighs> Bob Clark has gone on record saying that John Saxon was his first choice, but he had, I forget the other guy, something happened where the actor 
had Alzheimer, got real bad Alzheimer's oh. or something. So John, yeah, it's, it was it's a really sad story. But long story short, um, John Saxon came in, kind of swooped in at the last minute um, to um, to be a part of the film. And now it's like an iconic thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love when he shows up and stuff. And like John Saxon's so good, you can watch like. You can watch End of the Dragon and like one of the like I this know. or Nightmare back to back. You're like, yeah, he's so good. He could be in a martial arts movie and <laughs> a horror film just flawlessly. Yeah, or even in fucking garbage like My Mom's a Werewolf. Yeah. Like he's great in that movie. Um, but like I, he's just j- spread across all the genres and he's just good. In yeah, everything. And, and I like his um his voice and cadence. Um, feels very like it's like East Coast Everyman. Um, so he sounds trustworthy. Yeah, it's warm, and he's got that square jaw, yeah. and he's very handsome. Yep. And that hairline is just receding enough, but not quite. Yeah, <laughs> he's super nice. I got I got the chance to meet him my, uh, once or twice. I remember once at Weekend of, remember Weekend of Horrors for Fangoria? I don't even think they do that anymore. Um, I met him there. Um, what a sweetheart, man. He, he's a super nice guy. Yeah, because uh, when we meet Saxton... Um, there's a woman basically reporting that her daughter's been missing for like yes. a day or two. Mm-hmm. This 13-year-old girl. Right, Janice. And uh, while she's giving her report, uh, or while she's filling out her missing persons report, essentially, Chris and Jess come in and are like, oh, why aren't you doing anything? There's a girl out there missing. You know, just like coincidentally coming in as this other woman's reporting her daughter being missing. Isn't Nash Chris's brother? I, I, I kind of thought that was the Im- implication, but I'm not positive. That that does enhance something I liked, which is, like, I like how they take this character who was introduced as just an idiot, and they gave him a small journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interactions between him and John Saxon I like, too, because John Saxon's like, you're a fucking idiot. And like, you just, you, yeah. like, he's a constant disappointment. And later on, he's, like, adamant, like, he does not, that he should not be making any mistakes. Right, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think, I think... Chris is Nash's brother, but I'm not sure. But he comes in and just fucking starts like tearing this guy's head off. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, he's like, what do you mean? You know, like, you know, Claire. I isn't that the implication? Like, you know, Claire. You know, she wouldn't do that. Isn't this weird? Why the fuck aren't you doing yeah. something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's local college kids, so you'd probably know all of these people. Exactly. And and then and then like Sean said, like Saxon overhears that. Um. So now we got two pissing people. <laughs> yeah, because then he gets mad because he's like, he's like, okay, we have this woman who just walked in, said her thirteen year old's missing. And then we have these people who seemingly in one party or another already came here and said someone else is missing and you did nothing. Yeah, like something's yeah. wrong. Yeah. Like, hey, dumbass. And you're not looking into it. After they go to the police station, we see the scene where Peter fucks up his recital, shits the bed on it. Oh, yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> what the fuck is this guy even trying to do here? He's he's doing an impression of uh, it, Salieri in Amadeus when he's just losing his mind or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> is this like... is? This isn't an actual piece of music, right? This is like an impressionist garbage thing. I think it's supposed to be something he created, I think, is the idea. I think he's also becoming unhinged throughout the whole thing because, like, he's just, like, a sweaty mess, like, as we meet him during the whole thing. He just, look, he just looks distressed the whole time. Because being eccentric on a piano and just kind of smashing keys and just playing wrong notes and shit is, is, is uh, art, 
right? Well, I guess it's like the idea being that he can't get this thought of the baby being aborted out of his head, so he just like ruins his fucking performance and his chance of getting into the symphony. Oh, man, that's right, that's right. Because I, I guess it's almost like a master's degree, like this dissertation, like that's the way I'm looking at it. I mean, I could be totally off the mark with that, but that was kind of the equivalent I was thinking. Now that, now that you say that, that kind of makes sense because... He, that makes sense to me because he's like he just threw away everything because she's pregnant which is exactly the, the polar opposite of what she wants of what jess wants to do. exactly exactly oh i didn't even pick that up man nice one um yeah because i always thought <laughs> i've seen this movie a bunch of times and i'm just like why is this, this asshole writing this shitty music you thought he was just you thought he was just a hipster musician who had a really I, read a really <laughs> shitty fucking recital in his back pocket that's what i thought man i thought he was just trying to be a fucking uh uh, uh you know edgy or whatever well the art here is that it's terrible <laughs> Exactly. That's what I'm. That's what I'm doing because the, my aggression is the art. <laughs> but he totally fucking borks this man, and uh, on purpose, I guess. Now, now that you've just shed light on that, yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't even I wouldn't even argue that he does it on purpose. I would say that he just because of the situation in the back of his head, he fucking blows the the recital, and then he is like, "That's where I'm at." Oh, I just let's have this baby because I just fucking because of what happened, I'm throwing it yeah. all away. Yeah, I think he yeah. was. I think his own stress levels caused him to fuck up so intensely that he was like, "Well, nothing matters." Like, fuck it. Yeah, I mean, he even makes a comment later, like, "I'm tired of living in the observatory." Well, I don't want to. I don't want to wait behind six people to take a bath. Right. Yeah, I've been there for eight years in one room. <laughs> what are you, a Batman villain? Leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the I'm piano man. I'm Um, go ahead. You're supposed to follow that up with like. By the way, there's an actual DC villain called Piano Man. (laughs) (laughs) Just drops pianos on people. No, no. Remember me, Eddie? When I killed your brother? I can't. There's a uh, shortage on pianos due to a supervillain dropping them on people. Tonight at nine. No, I didn't have I didn't ha- I didn't have a condiment king for you this time. Okay. What your mother and I must know is why are you dropping pianos on people? Yes. No, I was gonna say like no, his his like Billy Joel is his origin story. <laughs> they put bread in my jaw. What am I doing here? We go back to the sorority and uh, Mr. Harrison and everyone. They're sitting down for dinner. And, uh, oh, yeah. So, Margaret Kidder is like sloppy, rude, gross, drunk. Um, it's, I know I don't find it hot. I just think she is. Um, <laughs> mind you, Mr. Harrison is sitting at this dinner table. He can't eat because he's so distressed that his, they can't find her daughter. And it's like late at night now. And then it's dark. Yeah. And he's like, he, like, he's so stressed he can barely function as a human. Like, he, he doesn't really talk. Yeah. Like, too much. No, the he's rest very of the stoic. Film. He's very stoic and just like slowly starts to shatter. Um, and so then Barb thinks it's a, Barb thinks it's a great idea to sit up and go, do you know turtles fuck for three days? I saw it at a zoo. <laughs> it was better than the zebras. better than zebras. 30 seconds. Zebras. I'm used to guys coming in three seconds just like zebras. It's funny. She just thought the story was, it just popped into, it just popped in there and she had to fucking tell everybody. Well, it's like almost like she's just going out of her way to tell this like, uncomfortable sexual sexually charged story because she knows this guy is like super conservative and like yeah just just to fuck with him and fucking miss max like why don't you go to bed and she's like you think it's my fault right oh yeah Ooh, it gets super uncomfortable real fast. If Claire fucking ends up dead, you're gonna blame it on me and it's and then fucking Phil is like uh can you shut the fuck up like you're drunk. 
go to sleep. Yeah, you were very drunk, Barbara. Go upstairs. And she's like, you know what? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, her father is right there. <laughs> yeah, like just fucking staring at this woman. Like really? Like Jesus Christ. Let me put it straight. Barbara's a terrible character. I'm just staring <laughs> put it out there. Okay. Well, she's got an excuse because she's just ham shit hammered. Yeah. Right. Peter knows exactly what he's doing. Y- yes. And thinks it's not wrong. Yeah, yeah, Barbara's inhibited. Peter's like, I'm very well aware of what I'm doing. Well, yeah, in fact, he knows exactly what he's doing, because right now he's destroying this fucking, like, $50,000 piano. With a fucking microphone stand. I was going to say, I looked away for a second and then came back, and, like, I saw him, the tail end of him pushing the top of the piano over. I was like... What are you doing there, Peter? What? You- Ooh. <laughs> well, now that you've mentioned that, like it meant what we were just talking about, like that totally solidifies that piece of um exposition, right? Like with him, like, well, I'm gonna play this really shitty and then destroy the school's piano, yeah. so they have to kick me out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah that that was something that's, that dawned on me a few minutes afterwards. I was like. Wait, was that his piano? And like I say, $50,000, but that could be even more no, than no. that. Like, pianos are pretty fucking expensive. It's more than that, dude. Dude, pianos are, well, like, they're one, they're, they're, they're kind of, they're pretty complicated on the inside for how, you know, old of an instrument they are, and they're fucking big. Well, not to mention, this is one supposed to be used for, like, the symphony orchestra. It's probably, like, even more expensive than a normal oh, one. Oh, yeah, he he probably, he probably took a microphone stand to at least a hundred grand. I'm sure... I'm sure when I when when some college staff walk into that room, I'm sure one of them passed out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just they went into shock. Nobody finds out about it, right? They just they just like walked in and then walked out and then just went <laughs> into their bed and like died. They just laid down and just died. They, like someone's like, I have a solution to this, and they pull a revolver out and put it in their mouth. <laughs> I'm not paying for this. This is this is where uh, basically the whole party fucking reunites because Chris and Jess come to the house from the police station. They come to the house from the police station, and then like I'm pretty sure doesn't um uh John Saxon like organizes a search party for the little girl Janice. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um and Claire. But since both since both people are missing, since the little girl and Claire are missing, they're like, "All right, we got to fucking do something. Let's let's get a search party together." So they do in the park. I like I like how all these little things are kind of all they're all pushing towards the same goalpost here. This is also like a great excuse for Mrs. Mac to be like, "Oh, I'm going to my sister's, and no one's really home to ever see her leave." Right. I mean, Margot Kidder's there, but she's, you know, passed out from being wasted. She's passed out in her room in the dark. Like, she's... Oh, yeah. For, oh, by the way, like, when she goes upstairs to go to sleep, that's it. Yeah. That Margot Kidder's out of the movie until, like, later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> until the end. So, Miss Mac, like, gets a cab, because she... And she's packing up, and everybody's... Everybody's out, uh, at this search party, and she's, like, singing and shit, boozing it up. <laughs> She's looking in the closet in a shoebox for liquor. Fucking packing her clothes. She's having a grand old time. She's still drinking. She's yelling for a cat. Yeah. She doesn't give a fuck what's happening about Claire or the little girl. She's looking all over the house like, where's all my secret hiding spots? I got to clear them out. (laughs) Yeah. I got to drink all this booze. It's a long cab ride. I got to take inventory of my secret booze. (laughs) Toilet booze. All right. Medicine cabinet booze. That's just about Closet booze, check. That's detect. That's detective booze. Bit of uh, book booze, check. I got my bag booze. I got. My- <laughs> I got my shoe booze. Yeah, <laughs> shoe shoe booze in the clogs. 
I got my hat booze. I got my jacket booze. I got my glove booze. It's just different bottles with like little name tags on them. Just got walking around wearing 50 pounds of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you clinking, Miss Max? Shut up and don't ask questions. What's all that swishing? Nothing. I had a bowl of soup before I came out here. My bowels. Leave me alone. <laughs> I got, I, I, we make way for the bathroom. I got to unload my drawers. I got, I got IBS. Don't ask me any personal questions. (laughs) So, so she hears Cloud, 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 the cat. Cloud Strife. Cloud, Cloud Strife. Um, (laughs) Is he upstairs fighting Sephiroth? uh, Yes. Why is it Uwe? (laughs) I don't know. I was doing a call back to American World. Oh my God. I forgot about that son of a bitch. God, that fucking movie was so bad. I've successfully forgotten all of it. Here you go, reminding you. So, uh, so yeah, so, uh, Mrs. Mac hears the, the cat and she's like, fucking around with the cat and the, and the cab driver's outside beeping the fucking horn. She's like, fuck you. I'm blitched. I don't give a shit. You can wait. <laughs> fuck off. I like it. This is a patient cab driver, too, because he's just like, I can go pick up someone else who will just get in the car right away. He right. waits at least five minutes. It, it, it's got to be at least five minutes. That's, that's four minutes and 30 seconds longer than any New York cab will ever wait for you. Oh, well, yeah, but they're, I don't even know where they are. I think... Uh, this was shot in Toronto, I think, but I don't know if it's like takes place in Toronto. But anyway, I was some if some people have the very northern, like kind of like, hey there, how you doing? Kind of. Oh, uh, Art Hindle is fucking Canadian and is all fucked there. <laughs> Him especially. Yeah. <laughs> A. So yeah, she's looking for this cat and she hears it meowing and she's like, Cloud, Cloud, Claude, where are you, Claude? And she's like, Are you in the fucking attic? I hear you up there. And uh, she climbs up, and she even says it. Like, when she opens the thing, she's like, why the fuck would the cat be up here? This is stupid. And, uh, well, Claude is up there, she, and it's uh, licking uh, Claire's face, dead face. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking disturbing. And fucking Billy is in the back of all of this garbage up there, and he's got a fucking block and tackle that he's, like, got pulled back? Yeah. It's it's like a crane hook. It's like a mini crane hook. I guess it would be like, you know what? There's your question. There's your answer to your question how they get shit up there. Is That's how that's how it is. I mean, like, Yeah, but the, the hole is too small. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm assuming that hole was much bigger at some point, but yeah, it's... it's since everything up to the, is old, I imagine this thing is old, too, and he's got this thing pulled back so far that he is trembling from the pressure he's gotten on it. <laughs> it's like one of those old fucking little like remote control cars that you like pull back and let go and they go flying forwards. Oh yeah, totally. But the, this shot, man, the way that this is lit, everything is like pitch dark except for a few things in the foreground and then you just see the light is just on this end of this block and tackle and Billy's hands like holding this thing shaking. Yeah, and like you, you can see his knuckles shaking and you yeah. kind of start to hear him start to grunt and stuff and he's like waiting for this woman to come up and she finally sees claire in the fucking rocking chair and just like freaks out and she comes up all the way and like turns around and sees billy with this block and tackle and he just fucking lets it go and this hook fucking sinks right into her fucking head but here's the thing i don't think there's any kill you see in full context on screen no but it never feels cheap because I don't need to see what the fuck happened to her head. This thing obviously went... No, everything is cut away. Well, the way they do this is awesome because it comes to her... You know, it's a POV shot and the hook kind of flies towards her face. And then it cuts to basically her bottom half of her legs being, you know, pulled upwards from this hook through the attic uh, door, essentially. Yeah, the little scuttle. And then her ankles... Don't her ankles kind of 
bang back and forth against the top of it a little bit, and then he finally pulls her all the way up. Yeah, he jacks her up. Yeah. And there's also something I've noted this scene that I love. There's music in here for a little bit, and then it stops like right before the end of the scene, and you, she's just screaming. Yeah. And it's so fucking creepy because like the music just drops out and it's just her screaming. And then she finally gets pulled up. And it goes it doesn't it doesn't just stop you like it like we just watched elves and like some people die in that movie just real fucking quick. They're like ah, um uh and it's like she screams and it just goes on and on and on and on and on until it finally stops naturally. And then just jacks this woman up into the attic and uh and there you go. Body number 2. And the body count isn't that high in this film, but it's super effective, right? Yeah. So the, then the cab driver comes up and he's banging on the fucking door and he's like, and he's like, ah, where, where are you, fucking bitch lady? I mean, I'm only giving you ten more I'm, minutes. You know, <laughs> that's it. I'm out of here. Fuck you. And so he leaves and he gets in his car and it's a shot out the fucking window of Billy looking out the window and the cab drives away and then he just has a fucking freak attack and starts fucking beating the shit out of all the stuff in the attic and it's again man it's just it's fucking bone chilling like it's just scary as fuck well because he's there's a pov of him rocking claire back and forth really mean like aggressively too and he's like and he's fucking smashing shit up there he's breaking fucking lamps and punching a bird cage and shit like totally freaking out and again we don't know why then then we go back to the um the uh the search party and they end up finding Janice, the little girl, the little thirteen-year-old girl. I love it. Don't show us. I know it's just love like it. that. It's just like that scene in Silver Bullet, uh, where the kid's like mutilated in the fucking gazebo, covered with the kite, and you don't actually see it. Yeah, I mean, like, what is it? Is it Jaws two or the first? No, it's the first movie where uh, that woman's son gets uh, like the Kinder boy. Yeah, he gets. Yeah. yeah, it's Jaws one, and like all you see is an eruption of bloody water. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, you don't even see that here. Um, yeah. And again, just real quick call back to Silver Bullet. Uh, when that kid's dad like goes into the bar because they're because they're, they're like starting to get a party together to go get the guy who killed his son. He's got a picture of the dead body and he's showing all these people, but you can't see it. And it's kind of like that. It's still effective. It's not like it takes away from it at all. The way it's filmed is that yeah. The way it's filmed is that like you hear people start screaming in the background. We cut back to the search party, um, and like. You're, the way you've discovered this is like it's it's shot from the point of view of people. It's just reaction shots. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. No, it's super effective is what I'm saying. It, yeah. It's great. And again, like this woman screaming when she finds the body and you have Mr. Harrison walk up and just kind of look at it, gets confirmation that it's not his daughter, but he doesn't really react at all. He just kind of stares off into the distance. Yeah, he. if anything, it probably put him to a, a further state of like, like, oh, wow, this is like we've gone from one person two people missing to one dead he's like relieved for like two seconds and then he's like wait a second uh and then her mother comes over yeah and sees it and i love this because it's insinuated that billy had done this before he went into the house right but you don't ever find out for sure but but it's never like confirmed but i mean i'm pretty sure it was him it pretty much yeah i mean it's implied also like is is was the the uh the sexual assault that was referenced earlier was also him i think so too i I agree yeah because he's a fucking creep so it's got to be all of those things then he finally killed somebody and i like that it could be all those things or it could be uh not none of those things, but only, yeah, only one or two of them. Yeah. 
Anyway, it's played very, very well. Also, at some point during all this, Peter arrives outside the house because he's supposed to meet Jess there around 9 o'clock. Looking incredibly worse for wear. Um, this is where he tries to, like, he tries to intimidate her, I think. Yeah. Well, she gets a call from Billy because yeah, she gets first. back to the house mm-hmm. to uh, meet up with him. And Billy really starts flipping the fuck out this time. Yeah, he it, it's he's going like full mom and dad at this point, and he's like, "I know what you did, Billy. Where's Agnes?" And um, you know, it's just more more creepy ass shit. And then she hangs up the phone, and there's a fucking like shadow behind her coming down the stairs. Yeah, and you think it's Billy, um, and it turns out to be Peter. And he, like, scares her. He, like, throws his coat down. He's like, hey, how you doing? I was upstairs. Peter doing his best red herring impression. <laughs> yeah. Uh, multiple times. Yeah. But he's, yeah, he's like, he's like, I was taking a nap upstairs because, you know, I was tired and you were supposed to be here, but you weren't. So what the fuck? So I slept in your bed. Is that okay? No, but all right. <laughs> you want to talk about having my baby? I mean, our baby? <laughs> yeah. Well, while, while he's trying to talk to her, she's calling the cops, basically, like, sick of this shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fucking Nash picks up and it cuts to the police station and, you know, us, the audience knows that it's Jess calling, but he's just like poo-pooing her and like, yeah, whatever. Okay. What's the address? And Mr. Harrison and everyone's there because of the, you know, they just found the dead body of the girl. So they're just at the, all at the police station and he kind of walks over and Chris and, uh, Phil here and they all kind of walk over and they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I actually love how that could, how that ties together because it's it's a lot of like things that are happening naturally and people overhearing them because they're in the same area for a different crisis mm-hmm. and um and then like she gets off the phone and then tells peter that there was like a girl missing the girl or, or no the girl was murdered and claire is still missing and he doesn't give a shit he's like whatever baby he's like he's like whatever i'm leaving the conservatory and we're getting married i smashed a piano yeah like He's just, like, telling this woman, like, we're doing this. And she's like, um, no. He's like, I already have a suicide pact with you. She's like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm leaving the, I'm leaving the conservatory. I fucked up my thing, so I'm not getting that the my master's degree. I destroyed the fucking piano, so they're going to kick me out. Uh, you're going to have my baby, and we're going to get married. She's like, slow down. You destroyed the school's piano? He's like, nothing. Don't worry about it. Do what now, you maniac? <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I don't want to have this baby because, like, because she even said, she's like, when I first met you, you want to be a concert pianist. And now you don't know what the fuck you're doing, but, like, I still have dreams that I, I want to live out. And I right. I don't want to have a child, and I don't want to get married right now. And then he's like, oh, well, you got it. And she's like, I don't even want to marry you. Like, I just don't want to. <laughs> she's like, I don't even like you right now. I don't blame her. Yeah. And he keeps pressing her for it, and it's just like... It's just fucked up. He's like, you're gonna be. He's like, you're gonna regret it if you get that abortion. Yeah, and 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 since since shedding uh uh dark humorous lights on my childhood has now become a trope of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell what you now? something. Don't get married at a wedlock because that's how you have four accidents. Oh no. <laughs> but like, I mean, she's a com- she has a completely level head on her shoulders, and again, like all these things go against the grain of all of the kind of the ideals at the time, right? Women are supposed to get married to men because they need su- the the financial support or whatever. Which is which is funny because like there was a small bit of um like cultural panic over this movie over them like 
stealing religious iconography for a horror film. Oh, really? Which then, like, which then, like, it, it, you kind of even going back as far then, you're like, so you didn't watch the movie because if you did, you'd be freaking out about other shit. Well, now that you bring that up, she's blatantly, uh, Jess is blatantly wearing a, a crucifix around her neck. Yes, I noticed that too, and I, I feel like that if if. If people really had a problem with the movie, they probably would have picked apart that as opposed yeah. to saying, like, our Christmas, my Christmas. Yeah. Well, there's these, again, these little subtle things that really that really resonate hardcore, especially when you're looking for them, but they're not in your face, you know what I mean? Yeah. But she's like, fuck off, Peter. And he so, yeah, she's like, get the fuck out. You're a piece of shit. And then he, like, forgets his coat and just walks out into the fucking storm. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> run off into the wilds. He like, just runs into the woods across the street. <laughs> he, he does his best Michael Myers, but he doesn't know it yet. <laughs> all right. He can hide behind the smallest of trees. I mean, all he's got to do is turn sideways. Exactly. <laughs> he just disappears. Um, We go back to the police station and... uh. Basically, our cast of characters is trying to convince Saxon that Nash is a fucking idiot. And uh, Nash is kind of looking at the whole fellatio report and him and this other cop are like... <laughs> Officer giggles. They're both, like, appalled. Like, I can't believe this fucking idiot actually, like, wrote this down. Well, like, like Saxon is, like, just, like, beside himself. He's, like, shaking his head. And he's, like, looking around. And his, like, partner, who's, like, essentially nameless? I don't know his name. Um, it even says laughing cop in the credits. See, I wasn't far off. Like, he's just, he has, like, even in this situation where two people are missing and one dead, like, he's like, I can't believe how stupid this fucking guy is. And he's just laughing at him the whole fucking time. Well, and then he says, like, oh, you know, Nash, like, you're kind of stupid because you had this, pe- you had these people come in this morning complaining about these calls. You have this person who got raped. You have this girl who just was murdered. And then you have this other person from the same location calling again, saying that these calls are getting more freaking and more violent. And you don't think there's a connection? And he's like, oh. Uh... Or you don't think you should tell me about it? Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. That's, yeah, it's, it's good writing to show that this guy is like, he's just incompetent like he's really bad at his job and they're doing a good job of showing us that and i think uh i think we cut we cut back real quick or either we cut back real quick or i forgot to mention it um when we were talking about the whole uh peter thing and before he fucks off into the woods he he says something like oh it'll be it'll be as easy for you to get that abortion as this to remove a wart yeah he's like you're a selfish you're a selfish bitch and you're talking about this abortion like you're getting a wart removed. Like, it's no big deal. The reason Jess calls, yeah, is because uh, he calls again, and Bill- Billy's like, yeah, 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 wart removed. Like, yeah, and she's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, she's like, okay, you could hear me talking. But that's a little bit later because they tap the phone, and, like, John Saxon's like, oh, did something he say strike a chord? And she's like, nope. Didn't, nope, I don't know what you're talking Didn't about. Not at all. Right, because, yeah, he comes here now with uh, this guy Bill Graham and the other people like Phil and Mr. Henderson. He, hold on, hold on. He shows up to tap the phone with a guy named Bill Graham. Yep. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I mean, unless that's his fucking code name, but that's what he's credited as. Hello, I'm Bill Bell Graham. I do like this character, and I like his little, his role in the film, too, because I, I saw some shit. I've never seen before uh, as far as how uh, I mean, if this if this is accurate, I've never seen a fucking full on switchboard like this before. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, that's another thing that's kind of neat because I isn't this kind of like when we this is what we first started doing that like tapping phones like in the 70s. Was it the 60s, too? I can't. I don't know. I don't know. I think so. I think so. Maybe. Yeah. But like it 
First of all, for any time someone successfully traced one of these calls, they should have got a fucking medal. Yeah, because what the fuck? You're running up and down these aisles you are and shit. Just, you're just running through a series of ringing lines. It's all you're fucking doing. It's insanity. <laughs> yeah. It's like being insa- it's like being inside of a fucking computer. It's just, it's, yeah. But um, yeah, they're there to tap the phones and like, uh, Saxon's kind of walking around like he's doing it, like he's doing the right thing. He's asking questions. He's, you know, he's securing the place. Um... And he tells her there's going to be a cop parked outside. He's, he's being very kind of like warm and, you know, safe. he's like, yeah, things will be fine. Yeah, give us a call. Every time this phone rings, uh, my phone will ring too. He also asks about Peter because he kind of bumps into him on the way out. Um, and he's like, yeah, what's with that guy? He seems a little off. Well, Peter's like <laughs> stalking outside. Like, Yeah, but he's like, did you have like a fight with him? Like, is that your boy? And she's like, no, it's fine. It's my boyfriend, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then Billy, and then when, again, like we just said, when Billy calls, he, he like repeats what um, Peter has said to her before in like a crazy voice. Yeah. yeah his, his crazy voice. Um, well, what removed? Ah! Yeah. It really like sends a fucking chill through Jess, and uh, they can't trace the line because he's not on the he's not on the phone long enough. That's like a thing that happens a few times. Uh, they can't they can't keep him on the phone long enough to trace where the fucking call's coming from. Yes, and we just established that the, the tracing of this call is one guy running around a giant room with just switchboard <laughs> to switchboard, looking for this manually looking for the source of this call. It, it's fucking insane. Like yeah. I don't even know how you would do this <laughs> to tell you the truth. I don't even know what he's looking for exactly. I don't know what he's looking for either, but I just know it looks complicated. Yeah. Well, we get this fucking scene too while uh, she's sitting by the phone in front of the fireplace where Billy goes into Margot Kidder's room. Yeah, he comes out of the fucking attic, dude. He creeps down again. Yeah, and he's like checking her out and uh, it cuts back to Jess just sitting there and you just start hearing Margot screaming in the background. It's like, oh, fuck. And they do this great fake out where she comes in and Marco Kidder just has an asthma attack. I was like, oh, she has asthma. Like, I know, but it freaks me out because, like, Julie has asthma. And, like, I like it, could that happen? Like, she gets so scared that she just has a fucking crazy asthma attack? Right. No, I, w- I was actually thinking that exact thing, Joe. Yeah. You know? And it, 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 it like, freaked me out, like, a lot <laughs> when I saw it. You Actually, you know, it's funny is that... Uh, Monster Mash, little cat, the uh, little gray and white guy, he has asthma. So if he gets too worked up, like, yeah, he has trouble breathing. Oh, no. So she's sitting there fucking sucking down her huffer, and she's like, oh, man, I had the craziest dream. Some man, like, snuck into my, was, was snuck into my room. And I'm like, oh, fuck. She could have been saved. Easily. She could have just been like, oh, well, why don't you just come downstairs? And she's like, oh, no, I'm just going to stay here. Good night. I'm too drunk to stand. Yeah. Or pro- or properly or adamantly defend myself. Well, because because she, she gets distracted by these fucking carolers. Well, she goes up and she sees that Barb is fun. She's like, "All right, well, good night." And she goes downstairs and then she hears, you know, I mean, it's been a shitty night. So these car these carolers, I feel like, oh, this is a nice little break from the bullshit. Yeah, change of pace for sure. So she goes outside and listens to them, and as she's listening to them, uh, Billy is like creeping around Margot Kidder's room again. Or he's been in there and he's like and he's like he's like Agnes, uh it's me, Billy. It's all right. It's fine. And he takes this fucking glass unicorn and it's that iconic shot man he lifts it above his head that's this is the image i was talking about oh my god it's like i knew this image before i saw the movie it's so good he like he has this fucking glass unicorn above his head and there's like just like 
a, a, a snooted light just like right on one of his eyes and like he's just just slightly backlit so you can see like his outline yeah and it, like it's it's you see the reflection of his eye that actually like the way it's the light is hitting it is that you can only basically make out the detail of his eye socket and that's basically it, it. and it's fucking disturbing yeah and uh and then she and then margot kidder gets fucking dr dr fibes she gets fucking this unicorn jab through her like 20 times yeah yeah it's very five-ish oh yeah but you don't see it directly yeah you see her hands well you see a couple like quick shots of her reacting to it but then like the rest sure. is her hand jerking backwards and knocking more of these glass displays off until suddenly her hand comes to a rest and she dies yeah i think there's actually one spot where it like goes through her hand and into her and like comes out but like it's the way it's cut like you don't actually see it but you think you see it <laughs> you know what i mean yeah but nobody can hear her because children are singing the bane of my existence <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, that's not the first time you've mentioned that on the show connor yeah you know what's funny is that i was watching this on tubi and like i can't tell if it's just like the rip version of it but like when the kids were singing, there's this awful reverb in the background, and I'm just like, oh, oh fucking God. stop it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> then, like, uh, I think B- Billy calls again, and that, that's, yeah. whole, that's that whole exchange where we, where we just talked about, where, like, he says the wart thing, and John Saxon's on the phone, they can't trace the call, blah, blah, blah. Cut back to the police right. station, and... There's an officer that comes in, and this old guy, he, like, trespassed oh on this guy's God. property, and he's got an ass full of fucking bird shot. <laughs> Elmer Fudd. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, God damn it, I don't care what uniform he's wearing. They trespassed on my property, so I shot him out in his ass. And if you come back again... This cop is, like, just over there, like, fuck me. All of these cops are just, like, catering to this old man. They're like, yeah, okay, old man, sure. We're not gonna arrest you or anything. If that's the law. I, I love the effort of showing, like, when something like this happens in an area small enough, people lose their shit. Oh, yeah, dude. And they start doing stupid things. They should be taking this cop to the fucking ER. What are they doing? He's just, like, hanging out there at the station, like, wincing. Well, he's gonna make that fucking old man pick out every piece of birdshot with his teeth. And he's gotta file some paperwork. Yeah, and then the <laughs> fucking guy's like, you come back again, I'm gonna stick this gun up your fucking ass sideways. <laughs> See the rock? Yeah. <laughs> Smackdown. I'm going to shine up real nice. <laughs> I'm going to shine it up real nice and stick it up your ass sideways. Granny Van Dam's like, <laughs> why don't you come over here, big boy? I got something to show you. I'll volunteer as tribute. I'm going to be trespassing on your lawn. I feel like Granny Van Dam has shoved her shotgun up somebody's ass and turned it sideways and pulled the trigger. Probably. She probably charged that person $10,000. Oh, yeah, man. That's a sawed-off <laughs> barrel. <laughs> You you pay me for this. <laughs> enjoy you you enjoy that, John Netsky. I don't know what you're talking about, ma'am. Saxon's talking to Jess and he's saying, Well, he thinks Peter might be the one making these calls. Because yeah. uh, he basically asks her about like what Joe was saying about like, you know, what's the deal with this guy Peter? And uh he, you know, she has to reveal to him just to kinda like explain why she Basically, to explain her situation that she's pregnant and she's getting an abortion, and Peter didn't take that well because he calls and yeah. is like freaking the fuck out. And then Saxon's like, "Whoa, well, what, what was he talking about? You're gonna kill the baby? What is it? What, what is he talking about?" It's so great though because when she's first about to tell him, like when he first asks her about Peter and like what happened, she goes to tell him, and then that guy with the birdshot comes in and is like it's too loud for you to even hear what she's saying or John Saxon. And he's like, I- I'll fucking call you later. Right. And then the other thing is, you know, Phil's sitting there when she has to say this and clearly she doesn't necessarily want to let anybody know about this. No. 
Um, but then, you know, fucking Peter actually calls the house and they think it's Billy again. And they pick, you know, they pick up the phone at the, at the precinct too, sobbing and like, don't kill the baby and blah, 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 blah. Well, don't do this to me. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and they run a trace on that one too, but they don't, uh, they don't catch it in time either to get it. So was it Peter? Was it Billy? You know? Right. But then, uh, yeah. And Saxon asks, uh. Jess in this conversation or conversation, uh, well, where where would he go? You know, like, would you have an idea where he would be? And she says, oh, he's probably in the, the conservatory. So uh, she she recommends him going there. There's like other search party guys going around, and they like knock on the back door. Yeah, well, what the fuck was the point of this? I think it's just more distractions. Like it's 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 yeah, it's more elements of like it's it's a really crazy scene happening on a pretty isolated area, like a college campus. Um, so you're going to have all these, like, it, you're going to have, like, what, essentially, like, wires coming loose as far as, like, your community goes. Sure. Well, they're, they're looking for a fucking murderer, and they're, like, checking in, like, hey, can we come in and, like, search the house? And they're like, no, our dog just died, her and Phil. Yeah, and it's that weird thing where it's, like, you don't know what you're looking for, so you're just, like, everything's just weird. Well, shortly after that, Phil goes upstairs to check on fucking Barb, and the fucking door shuts super fast behind her. Yeah, and she something catches her attention and the door shuts. Yep, and then that's the last we see of her for a little while. And then Saxon's fucking goes into this conservatory and this fucking piano is smashed to fucking sh- shit. And he's like, hmm, well... Well, a stable man wouldn't do this. Well, yeah, exactly. A fucking stable man wouldn't do this. A man with good hair wouldn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I would know. <laughs> a Q-tip wouldn't do this. <laughs> Put on an APB and a Q-tip. So, and then this is the final call, right? We, we we lead up to this thing where, so Saxon's at the fucking conservatory, and and we get this final call from Billy, and uh, Jess picks up the phone, and it's just more weird shit. He's like, where's the baby? Where's the baby, Agnes? Where's the baby, John? Where's the baby, John? <laughs> Look down, he's on the floor. <laughs> they finally traced the call and fucking, uh, what's his name? Bill Graham? Bill Graham fucking. Alexander, Gr- Alexander Graham Bill. <laughs> <laughs> he's running up and down this fucking hallway of fucking, uh, I don't even know what. Servers or what have you. S- not even servers. Uh, well, phone they look line, like servers. Clickers. They look like servers. I don't know what these things are. Switchboards, yeah. I think. Um,. And he finds the number, and he goes, and he calls the fucking precinct, and he's like, yeah, the fucking call is from coming from, uh, what is it, 6 Belmont Road, or some shit, yeah, 9 yeah. Belmont Road? Saxon's like, that's silly, that's the address, the calls are coming for, uh, uh going to. But it's Nash, and he's like, I know, you fucked it up, Nash, the, it, it, that's, that's where the calls are coming from, he's like, no, man, they're coming from there, too, and he's like... Oh shit! That other line that I said not to worry about before the grant the fucking house mother's line. I do love this because like Saxon suddenly puts a spotlight on this character who's been an idiot th- the whole yes. time, and like he gets as serious a heart attack. He's like he's like Nash. If you fuck up, I'll kill you. <laughs> oh yeah, and I believe him. And he proceeds to fuck up. I think I think Nash actually like makes an attempt to do a decent thing, but like. I think the gravity situation gets to him, and he starts losing his mind. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it, he kind of loses his cool because he calls Jess. This is right after Billy hangs up, right? Or and 
Also, we get the famous line of the phone calls are coming from inside the house. Yeah. yeah. Well, that okay. So that's where that's where that line actually comes from. This film, right? But everybody thinks it's a stranger call. No, fucking when a stranger calls, dog. This fucking movie, right? Uh, with uh, with Carol Kane a couple years later, right? I think that came out in like yeah, it what? came out the- not long after seventy mm-hmm. six. It came out. I think I thought it was two thousand and five. No, man, <laughs> that's a remake. <laughs> I was being sarcastic. I was kidding. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> <You're> s- <laughs> God damn it. Your low energy is making it very hard to tell when you're being sarcastic. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what? Well, a little peek behind the curtain, folks. We're doing this at about 1 o'clock in the morning East yeah. Coast time. Yeah. So <laughs> if I sound a little tired, I apologize. We're almost there. So, yeah, the calls are coming from in the house. And um, the caveat here is Nash calls and he's like, and he's like, uh, okay, so you got to listen to what I'm saying. Don't question what I'm saying. Just put the phone down and walk out the front door. And she's like, why? He's like, don't ask me any questions. Just do it. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go upstairs and wake up Bob and um, uh, uh, Phil. And he's like, no. He's like, God damn. He's like, son of a bitch. He's like, the calls are coming from inside the house. Get out. I, I, think, I, well, I think there, her saying that is when he's like, no, because like, Right. And the professional in that position, it's like, do not go upstairs. You don't no. know what's upstairs. I don't no. know what's upstairs. Go outside. Well, and that's why it's like, I say he fucked up, but like, you you make a good point. Like, of course he's going to, you know, crack. Like, this is a serious ass situation. Yeah. It's definitely not what he's used to dealing with. There's a murderer inside this house. Yeah. And I don't think it's a, fu- I don't think it's a fuck up that would, I don't think it's a fuck up that would even get him in trouble because like, he no. was doing what he was told. She went against the grain. But there's a murderer inside this house. And yeah. this part is, Probably one of the best parts of the film. Easy. Oh, without a doubt. Um, she's like, she's at the bottom of the stairs. She's screaming upstairs. She's like, Phil, Barb, I'm like, are you up there? Wake up. Yeah, and each time she screams, like, she's getting louder and more, more painful sounding. Yeah, and she's like wailing. Yeah. And then she finally grabs a fire poker and goes upstairs and like pushes open the door to Barb's room. And... Barb and Phil are dead on her fucking mattress. They're just like jumbled together. Like you don't really get a good shot of either of them. They're just it's just garbage. Yeah, it's like a bloody mess. They uh, you also see the guy outside the cop that was left behind with his throat slit. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because Saxon tries to like phone him, and and previously Phil's like, "Oh, the cop's still here. We're good." That fucking guy's been dead. Yeah. yeah. And then Saxon has his Jim Gordon mount the curb moment, and he just fucking <laughs> zooms over. <laughs> Um, and this is so, this is so fucking great, this whole sequence, dude. So, Jess, like, hears, uh, she's not fully in the doorway, right? She's not fully in the room. And she hears Billy, and he's like, ah, Agnes, everything's fine. Uh, Agnes, uh, it's, it's all right. And she looks, and this fucking eye is, like, looking at her through the crack in this fucking door. Oh, man. Man, it is, uh, it's just so good. It's terrifying. And she, like, pushes the door on him and, like, hurts him. Dude, she fucks him up. Oh, she she must have hit him in the nuts with the fucking doorknob or something because... It's his hand. His hand gets crushed in between the door and the wall. Oh, okay. Because, like, she she slams this and he is screaming for, for, for like, a minute. And, like... He goes full body by Jake. Oh, yeah. yeah. He is... Like... And this whole sequence, everything, like, the sound here is just jacked up, and just the way everything sounds is just very unnerving. Also, like, you, you'd you think this guy would fly after her, and, um... He but, does. 
Well, not quite, not right away, and you can't see him. No, it's like you see his feet. Yeah. And like shadows, and then like his hands. And the way that the stairs are is there's like this landing with like a little uh, small set. So you can like reach over this railing, and it's kind of like head height if you're standing on it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and she like runs around it and this fucking guy screaming like a maniac and he like grabs her by the fucking hair. It's, it's just so scary. And she fucking, but again, all you can see is, all you can see is his hand. That's it. Is his hands or like his, like a little bit of his feet or his legs. And she like hits him with the poker to get him off. And then, uh, she runs into the basement and like slams the door and locks it. And this guy is screaming and just fucking banging this door. You think this fucking door is going to fly off his hinges. It, she it, goes into the basement. It sounds like a fucking zombie trying to break down your door. And just like, but like perpetually banging on it and just like screaming at the top of his lungs, like a fucking, like, just like, yeah, no- just think of, uh, just picture Mar from Home Alone 2 when he's getting electrocuted. That's basically what it is. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, and he's just like fucking slamming on. Dude, it's fucking, it's just creepy. It's terrifying. So now Jess is in this basement, isolated in this basement, and Saxon's on his way over to, to, to you know. Dr. Freudstein's in the corner. Bob's trying to get away. <laughs> no, Bob was caroling. I forgot to make that joke before. He was in the front of the carolers. Oh, my God. Just mummy. Mummy, mummy, look at the man in the picture, mummy. <laughs> look at the man in the attic, mummy. Listen to me, mummy. I am the worst child character in any <laughs> film ever. <laughs> Definitely up there, at least. In the top five, easy. So, so, so Peter, again, Peter is uh, fully committed to his red herring gimmick now. Um, cause, He's like, skulking around the fucking basement windows. Well, so, like, we, you think it's the Billy, because now she's downstairs. She's just a, a dark figure. Skulk on the windows and like he's like he's just sneaking around and then finally he leans in and he's like well i don't know what made him think she was down here i see that's my only problem with this is like why does he think she's down it here? is it is the only thing where it's like framed so it's like oh it's it's peter um because yeah. like he immediately does something suspicious like he kind of like he like wipes some like glass he wipes some glass away from the glass he wipes some frost away from the glass like looks in and then immediately kicks the window in. Oh, yeah. And just slides into the basement. He's like, Jess? Jess? Yeah, it's not like she was down there screaming or anything. She was just ca- kind of trying to hide, honestly. He said he heard screaming from inside the house or whatever, but, like, why would you go to the basement? But the way it's filmed, so when... So she's, like, far away, and, like, there's a shot that's, like, between, like, some... Like, is it the staircase? Some other stuff? So, like, they see each other through, like, this very, very small, like opening in between lots of structures and the way it's shot is really cool because like yeah if she was just like an inch or two to the left or right he might not have seen her yeah um that and the way it's shot is that it works a perfect square around his face so you can't help but notice him no and she's and he's like going towards her and she's got the fire poker and he's like he's like he's like what's the matter jess what's the matter jess come in what are you doing down here uh and i think it cuts away doesn't it we don't sure does i fucking loved it saxon's kicking down the fucking front door yep with the battalion behind him searches the house runs downstairs and uh, uh peter has been uh caked in red paint I'm sorry, he's dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jess has beat him to death with this po- poker. <laughs> oh yeah, she has. Um, which is it? Which is like so? Like, like did she really believe that that was him? You know, right? Or she just killed him as like an opportunity to knock him off? Uh, maybe, or, or was she just so scared she didn't know what else to do except kill him? I think it was just she was so scared and convinced it was him. Yeah, because the I fucking mean, like, detective put that idea in her head. Sure, that and like you said, like the only the, the only images we see of this guy is 
short brown hair, kind of shaggy, long sleeves. And like he also we, has crazy eyes, though. Yeah, crazy eyes. And Peter looks fucking out of his mind and has a similar build and similar haircut. He does. I think that's what it is, right, for yeah. her. Mm-hmm. And plus, she just saw two of her friends murdered, so she's fearing for her life. She's probably not thinking completely rationally. So yeah, so like the first, the first guy who's like super creepy to her like that, or the first like living thing who's gonna creep up on her like that, is getting a fucking fire poker to the head. <laughs> yeah, sure, absolutely, especially fucking I would Peter. Ins- I would do the same thing. Not to mention that he's been acting increasingly stranger throughout the film and more uh, yeah, violent. Yeah, and, and she, she just watched him break a window to get in the basement. Like, like fuck, fuck off, dude. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? So then we, we like, crossfade to, like, um, Jess in a bed, and she's, like, passed out because the doc uh, doctor is given... Now, there's, like, paramedics and shit there now, and the house is being, you know... All the um the rooms are being looked at with all the bodies and shit. I love how this scene is framed because it's just her in the room and the camera's like pulled out just enough so you can see every character kind of in there doing something. It's outside the doorway. There, this shot, this scene is so well done and well thought out, and like they yeah. even thought to include Claire's dad in the shot, and like you see his final like his final emotional undoing because like. Actually, they have to say like, "Oh, she's been sedated," and like, there's a long conversation that happens over her sleeping body. Where it's like, you're not going to get any information out of this girl for like at least a day, yeah, because she's one in shock, two, I had to sedate her. So even if you talk to her when she wakes up, her information is going to be unreliable. And like, yeah. in the background, there's very obviously cops and like you know ambulance workers or whatever. Maybe like the the you know the coroner. Like you can hear a crime scene being set up. Like the house is being torn apart by these people. Um, and then during this. Claire's dad just fucking melts. He just collapses. He, just goes, into sh- he goes into shock, <laughs> and they got to take him out. And so they had to get him. They had to get him out of the house now because then they have a separate medical emergency. And like in the background, you can hear like basically everyone clearing out the house, um, as far as like evidence and stuff like that. And they're gonna leave her in the room because um, like I don't know, there's no point in transporting her anywhere at this point. Um, yeah, they like turn off the light and everybody leaves. Yeah, and like you don't see Ruben leave, but you hear Ruben leave, and suddenly like it's just dark and no music, and like the camera is just slowly taking its time. Yeah, holding. It's holding on Jess's room, and then you everybody leaves, and again there's no music, and whenever there's no music in this movie, you hear the wind outside and the creaking of the house. And it's creepy every time. And then we just slowly pan from that room to Barb's room. And there's just like a bloody fucking mattress there. And then we slowly pan to Claire's room. And there's, you know, obviously, you know, she's still up in the fucking attic. (laughs) Like, there's no closure, right? And then it pans around the corner. And we hear Billy, like, laughing and talking to himself. And then it pans up to the scuttle up to the attic. And then... You know, he's talking to himself. He's like, Agnes, it's Billy. It's Billy. And then we get one final shot of Claire in this, still in this fucking attic in this rocking and, chair. And Miss Mac, too, because I don't think we've seen her up there. And she's. That's still- right. Yeah, she is sitting up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With a fucking, with the block and tackle like wrapped around her neck. And it, the final shot just pulls out from the window where Claire's face is like looking out, out of it. <laughs> and it just pulls out and it pulls out to the, to the, shot we started with of the entirety of the sorority house and but there's like a cop standing in the uh in the doorway and then the phone rings it was job i'm sorry <laughs> 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 ah, you fucking beat me to it i was about to say that 
You know, it was it was his battle cry, but no one answered the phone because they were too busy with all this shit. <laughs> he sent it. He sent a phone call all the way back to <laughs> 1974. <laughs> uh, that whole shot is fucking beautiful. Is it? Is it a practical shot? Like, is it all like? Because there's no digital effects in this film. Okay. Well, I mean, like, okay, that's good to know because, like, the way they keep Claire's face. Even with something over it, like she's got plastic over her face, mm-hmm. through a piece of glass, like they zoom all the way out into the front yard. I think it's just the way it's lit. Yeah, because like you never lose focus of her face, and it doesn't become indecipherable for the entire zoom out. Like it's really fucking cool no, looking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it ends with the same shot, except like this cop like casually just like kind of like smoking a cigarette outside. Yeah, and then you hear the phone ringing, and then just and there's no music; it's just credits. Um, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> this yeah, movie's a, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what present is this under our Christmas trees? I'm gonna go first, even though I have probably like I'm not gonna call it a non-answer, but like it's no one particular thing. But this is certainly getting me a present where i open it and go oh this is just uh, like i have no complaints it's it's like it's getting someone it's it's the opposite of what you said yesterday uh for not yesterday for uh elves um where you get something from someone and it's like a secret santa yeah it's like it's something that's like tangentially related to your hot to your interests and you may like like if it's a movie you may pop it in your fucking you know dvd player one day you may not you're not that invested um this is swinging the other way in the positive way where it's like someone zeroed in on my interest a thousand percent and got me something that's just like it's just perfect in every way um i really really like this and i hadn't seen this in a long time uh and i'm kind of glad it's popping up on free streaming platforms um uh but it's it's so nice to watch a slasher film that's not I mean, like I said, I consider this to be a murder mystery or a whodunit or like a it's it's essentially like a crime thriller. Um, I agree. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a slasher at all because everything you'd associate with a slasher film, like a gimmicky villain, like he, Billy's gimmicky, but like he's not the only distinctive thing about him is his voice. Um, he doesn't have any supernatural abilities. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a fucking you know a mask or some kind of marketable appearance. Um, or weapon of choice. Weapon of choice. There's no licensed soundtrack. There's no gimmicky rules or tropes. Um, there's no people making bad decisions simply for someone to get killed in a gruesome way. Um, there's no. There's nobody acting completely out of character for a human being, let alone a character in a horror film, for them to get killed in an awful way. Nobody's off looking for people in places they shouldn't be. Um, you know nobody's having a cat jump out at them it's like go on and on but like all this shit doesn't happen it's very straightforward it's very it's slow but i think that works tremendously in its favor um it's a, it's a, like of all the holiday horror movies there are like silent night deadly night is just fucking is ridiculous and crude and crass and out of its mind um, it's exploitation it's level exploitation shit. level yeah, yeah this is like this is subtlety and it's so good um and among a sea of, like, gimmicky, I'm overusing that word a little bit, like, but, like, trope-filled and, like, silly or ridiculous, like, Christmas-themed or holiday-themed horror movies, like, this is one that should just, like, sit on top of the fucking ash heap as something that's really fucking good and you should check out every year. Um, 
uh and when i really, really love something this much all i can really do is just heap praise on it so i just yeah to, to not sound redundant like that's it it's a perfect present <laughs> i just don't know what the fuck it is <laughs> um i'm going to say this is akin to one of my favorite christmases i want to say it was 93 93 or 94 in the pocket there, but I got, like, the entire set of the Kenner Alien and Predator <laughs> figures. Oh, my God. Oh, damn. I still have some of those. Yeah, me too. Um, and I remember that being so fucking cool that Christmas um, and just being so enthralled at what I had. Um, and again, it's again. I'm gonna piggyback off Connor because it's like the perfect gift at, at any given time, right? It's not any one thing. Or could you know? I could uh, uh, say it's akin to when I got my Nintendo 64 that Christmas. You know, like oh the, yeah, you know, in '96. Yeah, I, my mind goes to that fucking video. I was actually yeah. thinking about this earlier today about the fucking Nintendo 64. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly how I feel about uh, this film. Um, as Connor said, and you actually had said mentioned something that I wanted to bring up too, is nobody is doing anything stupid in this movie. Like there, again, there's nobody going off on themselves by themselves. Nobody does anything that a normal person wouldn't do um, for the sake of a kill or a sake of uh, moving the plot along. Like everybody has a purpose, and it's a very poignant and uh, rational and and sensical uh, decision, right? Um, but everything from the cinematography of this to the script and just the subtle nuances of the political themes we're dealing with here and how, um, you know, a woman should be able to choose whatever she wants to do with her own body and and, and those kind of themes and, and the feminism of that and... Um, how, you know, just because you have your, your views and, and, and a message you're trying to put through doesn't mean you still can't have a good horror movie, right? Like, I don't, like, this is a perfect example of not being beat over the head with, um, an agenda or a, or a statement, um, it's handled in such a subtle and uh, with the finesse that I think is just lacking these days. Yeah, because I don't think there was an intention. It's like, you know, George Romero is always like, well, I didn't mean to make a political film. No, it's, you did because it's just the way you view the world and you didn't mean to right. go into this movie beating anybody over the head with your, like, you know, with views about, like, commercialism or anything like that or, you know, how we, you know, or how, or capitalism, anything like that. Um, and this, like, someone probably thought, like, nah, I think this would be a really fucking intense struggle for a couple to go through and then imagine having sure. that boil over while serial killers present. So, yeah. Yeah. But also, in, the, in in that same breath, like, is that what Bob intended to do? You know, I don't know. I don't know. But I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to know either because, like, it, it just it's just this wonderful mesh of, uh, of, again, like, I love when a horror film can mesh a really great story underneath all of the the blood and 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 scares you know um i mean that's ideal you know that's that's the ideal movie and i think that's why this movie holds up so fucking well um 
this is from 1974, but like I forever, this film will not only be a staple in the, in the genre, but I just feel like filmmaking in general. Um, and again, like I had said before, like Bob, Bob kind of regards, not that he's ashamed of these films or thinks that thinks that they didn't turn out well, but like he didn't want to do horror, but he's so fuck, he was so fucking good at it. Right. Uh, kind of mixing it together, um, and saying something without saying something, but, and also delivering the goods on a whole different, uh, on, on the scare level and the, and, um, the horror level. Uh, and yeah, and again, yeah, I'm with Connor on that one. Like, I, I, there's not enough things, there's not enough good things I could say about this film. Um, it's just, it's one of the best horror movies ever. I, in my opinion, um, definitely the best slasher. If you want to even categorize it as that, I know a lot of people do. I'm more in the camp with Connor where it's, it's more of like a crime thriller horror film uh it feels it feels way more like a giallo to me than it does uh a straight up like like a like a like a friday the 13th kind of thing or like even like a halloween um and just to cap off my thought um i had mentioned about the halloween thing before it's funny because bob clark was friends with uh, john carpenter and john carpenter had asked Bob, if he was going to make a sequel, and Bob was like, well, I was think- kicking around this idea of having Billy get captured at the end and then put away in a mental facility and then break out Oh no! <laughs> in November-ish and call it Halloween, and then John Carpenter made Halloween, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my god. Yeah, that sounds frighteningly similar. What's fucked up is that Halloween kind of takes the place of this film um in a lot of people's minds yeah everyone's like oh we wouldn't have friday 13th we wouldn't have halloween i'm like we wouldn't have halloween if we didn't have black christmas right 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 exactly um so i i feel like i feel like this goes kind of under the radar for a lot of people in terms of that argument and it's a really poor mistake to make like you can't you can't have one without the other, right? And everything's, and this is important to everything that came after it, or else we wouldn't have all of those other things that we enjoy, right? Uh, this is the granddaddy of 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 the of the slasher. Um, it's just, it's it's a near perfect film. It's a near perfect horror movie. It's a near perfect movie in general. Um, and that's all I really can say about it. it. It's fantastic. And if you haven't seen it, watch it. You're crazy if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else I could really add. I mean, for me, this is definitely like that Game Boy Color under the Christmas tree with yeah. the, uh, the the shiny new Pokemon Red fucking in there <laughs> that I got as a young child. You know, I'm going to add just real quick. Like, it's definitely the year I got a PS2. Yeah, it's the video game, you know, year. You know, whatever your first big thing was. You know, for me, it was the Game Boy um but yeah you know super nintendo dude yeah my parents skipped all those and weren't on board until the <laughs> ps2 Connor got coleco vision in like 1995 <laughs> no no it was nothing we didn't there was no video games in my house until the ps2 well you picked a good one but it's like you know it's it, it's a gift that like i kind of like what joe was saying how it's like you know f- from your favorite christmas because it is like the coup de gras of horror christmas films and and even just horror films in general and i i think uh 
I do consider it a slasher to a point because it's hard not to make that comparison, but it's almost like proto-slasher, mm. if that makes sense. No, I, I get what you're saying. Just because I, I do personally uh, prefer Halloween over this film, but it's pretty, it's, it's kind of hard to compare the two, in my opinion, because they're just so different. Mm-hmm. No, I could. I understand. But with that said, like this, this is just such a well-rounded film. You know, you have Bob Clark. Obviously, like we talked about, went on to make many fucking great films. A couple stinkers, but predominantly great films, including Christmas Story, which is is definitely in my top three Christmas movies. And I think in most people's, it's you oh, know, yeah. in the top three or four. You know, for God's sakes, they show this fucking movie twenty four seven on TBS and all these other fucking you know cable networks. Like someone, everybody loves the Christmas Story. Yeah, it's definitely a testament to it for sure. <laughs> yeah, it amazes me when people are like, "I've never seen it." I'm like, "It's an entire day where one channel just airs nothing but it." How do you not? <laughs> yeah, you could you could catch it in fifteen minute chunks over the course of twenty four hours if you really didn't want to sit through the whole thing. And to Joe's point, like I I feel like uh, Black Christmas is a movie that casual horror movie fans may not have heard of or may not know about. Because I know when I first got into horror, I, you know, I wasn't like Joe uh, or or even Connor, uh, where I was like young, like, you know, preteen. I, I didn't really even get into horror until I was like in high school. So this was a movie I only saw like maybe for the first time, you know, 12 years ago, which I mean, maybe is a long time to some people, but to me, it's, you know, only a third of my life. So I feel like this is a movie, like Joe said, that went under a lot of people's radar. And uh, I think it needs to be more recognized. I think it obviously has more of a cult following now in 2019 than it did even like 10 years ago. Um, You know, they keep putting out better versions of it, you know, higher res. And like, you know, I also watched it on Tubi and it was like a pretty high quality HD version. It's not a bad uh, rip of that movie at all. The Scream Factory uh, Blue they put out, I believe, last year? I'm not sure if it was last year or two years ago, but it's it's gorgeous. It might even be that version, and uh, you know the 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 aesthetics great. I love the uh, the Christmas angle, and it's played beautifully. It's not like Santa's sleigh where it's like the killer's going around hitting people with fucking candy canes and shooting them out of a sleigh. <laughs> no, it's very reserved. It, it's just kind of like, dude, this this guy's just killing people with fucking plastic sheets and and. Uh, the crane one's a little weird. The fucking hook to the head, I, that one's a little hard to explain, but sure. I feel like someone got their hands in a prop, and they're like, we can't not use this. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. I, I kind of love the I love the unicorn kill. I just think that's so creative. Just Of yep. course, this this college woman has this fucking just ornament, this little statue on her, on her fucking shelf just for fun, and, this, and she gets fucking murdered by it. Like, this, I don't know. This, that kind of stuff's pretty cool and creative. Absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, like like you guys were saying, it opened up a lot of uh, ideas and avenues for other stories to happen. And uh, I don't know, just to bring it back to the Christmas present, again, you know, like I, I used the Game Boy example because it was a gift as a kid that I was really into. And, you know, I got, even as a dumb kid, I probably put 100 hours into that fucking game. So uh, I think it ranks pretty high up there. So that's it. That's Black Christmas from 1974, directed by Bob Clark. Hey, everybody, if you want some more bad movie goodness, you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com. Subscribe to us anywhere you listen to your podcast, and make sure to leave us a five-star review if you dig the show, because it helps get out of the bottom of the dumpster and into more eardrums. Yeah, and if you're on the social medias, you can follow us at Movie Dumpster on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm Joel Escola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor the Christmas Skeleton McGraw. Thanks for visiting the dumpster, and Merry Christmas, dumpster dwellers. 
Uh, Miss Bradford, uh, this is Sergeant Nash. Are you the only one in the house? No. Phil and Bob are upstairs asleep. Why? All right. Now, I want you to do exactly what I tell you without asking any questions, okay? N no questions. Now, just put the phone back on the hook, walk to the front door, and leave the house. What's wrong? Please, Miss Bradford, please just do as I tell you. Okay. I I'll get Phil and Bob. No, no, no! Don't do that, Jess! Jess! The caller is in the house. The calls are coming from the house. Jess! Yes!